What's happening, weirdos? This is Steve Byrne. I've wanted to have Steve on the podcast for many years. I've known him for many years. And as you'll hear in this conversation, we have a lot of history to unpack together, a lot of memories of starting out, or at least I was starting out in New York at the Boston Comedy Club. And man, we just had a really, really great time together. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in this Thanksgiving week. Maybe you're listening to this as you're flying to an uncomfortable family dinner. I hope it gives you some giggles. I hope it gives you some giggles on the way. Speaking of gigs, sweet gigs, uh, December 14th. That's my only stand-up date right now to promote. It will be at Largo here in L.A. It'll be me and guests. Uh, it's always a fantastic show. There's always music. The last time it was Judd Apatow and Brett Goldstein. And just incredible, incredible show. Always, always fun. And the next one is December 14th, Largo-LA.com for tickets to that. And also just a thank you to every all the weirdos that came out to the live We Made It Weird with Amy Mann and Moshe Kasher. That was last night uh, as I'm recording this. It was so fun, and that'll be released very, very soon. I'm excited for you guys to check that out as well. As you guys know, uh, this podcast is sponsored by different things, but they are things that I absolutely love and for real, for real use, like Sunday's dog food, which has been a huge game change. You guys know that I have a complicated relationship with my dog as I was raised with cats, but we love Brody. And if you're like us, the dog Brody, the dog Brody is part of the family. And we know uh, taking care of a dog is kind of tricky when it comes to food. We used to get human grade food for for Brody, but it was in the fridge. It had to be refrigerated. Uh, Then we went from that to just like plain ass burnt kibble. And we finally found Sundays and it's changed the whole system. We realize why not feed them food that actually tastes good to them and is super healthy for them and is super, super easy. Sundays is air dried, meaning you don't have to refrigerate it. It's human grade, which means it's Uh, easy for him to digest, gives him amazing energy. And like a dog food commercial, Brody wags his tail when he eats it. He devours it. He didn't used to finish his kibble always, but he devours this food. Uh, We actually had to get like one of those spiral bowls to slow him down because he loves the taste of it so much. And for real, for real, just like a dog commercial, dog food commercial, he runs for it. It's the happiest I see him, and then he runs back to the box and sniffs at it. It's like a bowl of treat. The whole thing has the feel of the treat based on how he eats it, but it's all the nutrition of a meal. And we've seen a noticeable increase in his energy and his mood. He is one happy dog. So if you want to do this, we we just subscribe. Sundays is the first and only human-grade air-dried dog food, combining the nutrition and taste of all-natural human-grade food with the ease of a zero-prep, ready-to-eat formula. Sundays is the best friend to feed, I'm sorry, the best way to feed your best friend. It's easier for dog parents to manage than refrigerated human-grade dog food. No fridge, no prep, no cleanup. It's basically like pouring a bowl of cereal. Unlike most human-grade dog foods, Sunday is gently air-dried and ready to eat versus the other brands that are cooked and frozen instead. It's as simple as scoop, serve, and watch your pup devour it. In a blind taste test, Sunday's outperformed leading competitors 
40 to zero. No artificial binders, no synthetic additives or general garbage. Seriously, look at the labor. All of the ingredients are easy to pronounce except for quinoa and healthy for dogs to eat. Simply said, Sundays makes it easier for me to be an awesome dog parent. We've worked out a special deal for weirdos. You receive 35% off your first order. We just did this. I just used this promo code to up to the subscription level for this because we're in and we love it and Brody loves it. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash weird or use code weird at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash weird. Switch to Sundays like we did and feel good about what you are feeding your dog. 35% off and show your support of the podcast. Also... We are brought to our brought to us by our friends at Everlane. Everlane is my favorite online clothing company. They are responsible. They are stylish. They are incredible. As you know, I'm a huge jeans person. I love classic blue. I love dark blue. I love how versatile are. I love how it feels like uh, the the official uniform of being free and adventurous. We all love denim, but what we don't love is pesticides, pollution, and the waste that goes into making it. Everlane's four-way stretch denim is made from premium organic cotton in some of the world's most sustainable factories, and it's tough enough to handle becoming a part of your everyday uniform, guaranteed. The four-way stretch is incredibly comfortable. The denim gives you confidence in motion. It feels great, looks great with everything. You can dress it up. You can dress it down. It's durable enough to handle becoming a part of your everyday wear. If you're like me, I sometimes wear it for weeks at a time. That's just how I do. That's just how I do. Four styles, four washes, nothing but damn good denim. Four-way stretch offers a comfortable fit and freedom to move with confidence. 365-day guarantee. Everlane is so confident in their uniform collection that in the unlikely event that your jeans get a hole or a tear, don't sweat it. They'll gladly replace them with a new pair. Incredible. And starting just at 88 bucks, that's premium organic denim minus the luxury markup. And denim can be a dirty business. That's why Everlane does things differently. We're talking about cleaner fabrics using organic cotton, which is better for the planet and safer for workers. Cleaner factories. Their denim uh, factory recycles 98% of their water, keeps byproducts out of the environment, and uses renewable energy and air drying to reduce CO2 emissions by 80%. And cleaner impact. Everlane is one of the first companies to make denim that fits great and doesn't dirty the planet. Pretty cool, huh? Sign up today at everlane.com slash weird for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you sign up at everlane.com slash weird. Also, this is not in the copy this week, but I just got a cashmere sweater from Everlane and it's it's a showstopper, guys. I'm going to be wearing it on Thanksgiving for sure. Val loves it. I think it's my favorite uh, piece of clothing that I own. So while you're there, it's the same thing. Everlane.com slash weird. Check out their sweaters. Val just got one. I just got one. Unbelievable game change. Little little bonus. Everlane.com slash weird. Share your support of the show. Last but not least, I'm getting kind of low, which means I'm going to go to onit.com slash weird for real and order more Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain is probably the product I talk most about in my real life. It's the thing that I am promoting 
and plugging and turning people on to because it is a huge game changer and secret weapon for my life. It is a nootropic, which means it's uh, food for your brain, it's nutrition for your ideas, for your creativity, for your memory, and for your focus. For the past, uh, it's almost been seven years, eight years, I have not done a podcast, I have not done stand-up, I have not gone on a date with Val, I have not written a script without taking two, three alpha brain beforehand, 15 minutes before. I notice the difference. That's always number one. The first thing people ask me is, do you really notice the difference? I absolutely notice the difference. It's like eating a meal for your brain. Earth-grown ingredients, it's not a stimulant. It's not like caffeine. It doesn't elevate your heart rate. It just gives your brain the nutrition it needs to function at its best. And I absolutely love it. I find it incredibly helpful with all of my creative endeavors, but especially now I'm shooting a TV show. If I need to remember lines, I am giving other actors Alpha Brain on set and they are thanking me for it. It is such a secret weapon. I wish I knew about it in college. I'm so glad I know about it now. If you do something that uses your brain, and chances are you do, and if you would do what you do better if your brain worked better, and chances are that's true, Alpha Brain is for real, for real, a huge ally, a secret weapon in my in my brain arsenal that I've sworn by for many years. And if you want to, if you like it one tenth as much as I like it, you're gonna you're gonna crap your pants. It's incredible. And the best way to know if you like it is to try it. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird. Everything you see on that landing page, including Alpha Brain, is 10% off. And that really helps us out. Shows your support of the show. Shows our advertisers that, that these, these ads work and help. And it keeps the lights on, as they say. And we really, really appreciate it. So please, uh, try a Pete's Peck. That's it. Thank you, guys. So thankful for you. I know that's sort of a cheesy thing to say, but as you know, I do gratitude journaling and I always write the podcasts and I always write the weirdos. I'm so glad that you're here with us on this uh, journey. We appreciate you listening and you're interacting and please enjoy the wonderful Steve Byrne. Get into it. Mountains are ridiculous. Feel free to, you can put your feet on the couch, sit cross, whatever you, I'm just, I'm not asking you to sit cross, crisscross applesauce. on the couch, but not on the treadmill. (laughs) That's very respectful. That's respect. That's respect. You don't stand on another man's treadmill. That's right. You don't. I wouldn't do that. Don't do it. I know, I know this is where you get the real work done, Holmes. This is. That's where it's done. I mean, I've just found that if you put stuff here (laughs) in your eye line. Yeah. That's when you. It's not really a vision board, although it, it's. If you had a vision board, you should put it in front of your treadmill. What I think is fascinating is you put. You have two windows here, and you put the treadmill right at the wall. Yep. You could be running in front of that window, like a sad window, a sad window, sad prisoner. Like, yeah. Just as he just like it's that tragedy <laughs> when you didn't even think to do that. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it makes you kind of chilled <laughs> to the bone that you're like, why didn't you think to put it in front of a beautiful window? <laughs> nope. The wall is good enough for old Petey. <laughs> But that is indicative. Now, is of that it. John Cleese or? It's <laughs> hilarious. Well, I think people have guessed John Cleese before. Have, have, okay, it does look like John Cleese. That's Ram Dass, okay. uh, who wrote "Be Here Now." You remember got, yep. uh, "Be Here Now"? Yep, got it. It's got all it. good. I mean, the title—the title gives you a little juice. There we go. If you have a title that you just read the title and you're like, "Oh yeah," and you kind of walk around feeling a little happier. <laughs> Um, a little more centered. There was a girl I remember dating back in the day, and she, Gross. God, there was like this. 
surfer guy that she listened to and he had this song be here now and and it was just this mantra and it went on and on yeah it was it was fucking great and it was yeah. so so catchy and so when i hear really it now, i don't even think of the oasis album oh my god and which you i love, should go I to gonna, i wanted to say to you i remember that and you, you love oasis no and i was i know I yep something's yeah something's fucked up with my sound too like oh it's him We know Mike's. Hello? There you go. Is that better? There it is. That's the old off on. Leave okay. it in. Leave it in. Now I'm going to stay Leave in here those little moments like in. Yeah. I love in NPR where you hear like shuffling of papers and doors opening and closing and feet creaking on the hardwood floor and stuff. It's that real. was our little moment. Yeah, it's real. It's real. They just walked into a white supremacist's <laughs> house. And they, were, they didn't tell them that they were there for reconnaissance. Look, I don't want to talk about Owen today, okay? Oh my God, you <laughs> breached. You breached. Well, I pride myself on going, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, look, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would say the few radio stations I've been to since COVID has come out, that's the first thing everybody asks. Well, you can w- tell What happened to Owen? Yeah. I'm like, well, look, I, you know, it's weird because Owen is somebody like, I don't, I don't know why we're talking about. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> but okay. Were, but, but, it's but okay. now it's like we're Because I did but, say white supremacist. It might have been. I mean, I, I want you to know I'm yeah. not even abreast. Uh, rarely I'm a am I. I don't know what he's up to. I hear rumblings that he's gone very hardcore far right. That's yeah, what I've heard. I, I think he's in Idaho, uh, bought land, and it's almost like a timeshare from what I hear. And <laughs> I you like can, that. That's part of the details. You can. I think it's a timeshare. I think invest, he's there part of the year. You can invest in the property, and then you come out and. Uh, you know, you farm and uh, do some tirades I'm on sure. Instagram. They're like, "Can you get a tirade?" I don't even know if he's tirading. I'm, I'm this- sure the truth launch party is going to occur there. I'm sure. <laughs> oh my but, God! But I look. Well, I do want to say I'm not asking. Like, yeah. Like for real. Like I, I, I have people in my life that have been scandalized before, and it's a tricky. You, you don't want yeah. that. Well, I don't I'll, I'll tell you. You feel it, uncomfortable, is what I'm saying. As somebody that I've, I, I shared so many great memories and years with. There's a part of me that's not sure where the the hard um, right, I should say, turn took place, but where it's like, whoa, okay, I, I did not see that coming. But at the end of the day, people used to think I was him. By the way, are you serious? I'd be at the improv, someone would grab my ass, and they were like, "I thought you were Owen." <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, you both are very yeah, tall, very individuals. tall, bushy, charismatic. Kind of, well, there's a glow, there's a gravity towards you both. To our buns. The, People want to wanna buns, grab those buns. Look, we're in Hollywood. This is how deals get done. The look of, but, the look uh, of disappointment on this woman's face when she saw <laughs> my Lithuanian face. Well, can you imagine on, on her way out of the hotel room? Even worse. After. Oh yeah. After sexual intercourse. Consummation. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I didn't. I want to make sure I'm understanding the riff. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> is a complicated individual. Yeah. Very complicated guy. No, but n- I, 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 I have nothing but love for him. And even when I say that, I've gotten shit for it. But it's like, it's still somebody I, I shared a lot of great memories with. And although I don't uh, look, I certainly don't agree with a, a lot of the right. things he's putting out there in the world. There's still a part of me that's like, but I know this guy. I, I well, like when I close my eyes, I think of that guy. If that's I the guy. Can I make it relatable. There are family members I have that have uh, sure. troubling racial beliefs. Uh, yeah, uh, family members that are troubling political beliefs or whatever it is. Yeah. So we all know. We all kind of act like we don't know mm-hmm. the subtlety of 
of human relationship. Yeah. But when it comes to family, we absolutely do. Like we sure. have that weird cousin or the the distant Uncle whatever and, yeah, everything. that at Thanksgiving you're like, look, I'm just trying to find some common ground right now. <laughs> you know, like, but like Pass uh, the gravy and let's get this fucking over with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't I wasn't even planning, but here we are. You were saying the Oasis album Be Here Now and 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 uh and Yeah, what was it like work working with Noel? Obviously, yeah. you you interviewed him, and I that's. About I was like, it, it was one of those things. I was like, I'm listening as soon as this comes out. So, yeah, super pumped. Yeah, uh, obviously, then as a fan of his, disappointed. <laughs> was that you were, you were deeply dis- disappointed? No, I, I thought it was great, but, oh, but how was it? Uh, I didn't mean to fish. <laughs> I didn't mean to Grateful Dead for a compliment. Yeah, right there. no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Uh, I thought about your love of Oasis, and it's never I never waned. I have a lot of. Um, oh shit! What's up? Your dick. Your dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! I got an Oasis shirt have you on. Have seen? My... We made a shirt that says we're going to build a wonder wall, and Oasis is going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, I that I am going to order. You one, may. One, okay. You may. I, I I shall purchase. I'm pretty sure. I think it's on my Teespring. If okay. You search Pete Holmes on Teespring.com. You can find that T-shirt. I'm wearing that. And it's that. in that black on black box, oh, like beauty. the double white box. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tweet, and I was like, some tweets are too good. They got to be uh, manifested into reality. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, that I, sh- I you know what I'll give it to you. I'll I'll find a way. No, to get it no, you. just at cost. You're going to support at cost. At cost. No, okay. I will. I will purchase. Gladly purchase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Here's what I want to get into. All the things I remember about you because they're all good things. And uh, I wanted. I knew we were going to talk about Noel. So this morning I was thinking about like what do I remember about that? Mm-hmm. I remember. I, I remember kind of the whole time being like, I can't believe he's doing this. Right. It was in the dressing room at the Late Late Show. Or is James Corden Late Late? Yes. So it was at the dressing room of the Late Late Show, which is a weird serendipity because, or synchronicity, because I have, this is my fondest mm-hmm. Steve Byrne memory. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready for this. With the Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. I am a barker. I feel like uh, I should apologize right now. No, no. No, you were always really <laughs> okay. nice to me. In yeah. fact, one time you did a tag that I gave you. Yeah. And it was like a highlight of my year that you like like usually people are like, remember like Todd Lynn and some of the people were there? They weren't exactly taking tags acidic. from the barkers. Yeah. Yeah. And not only did you take the tag, mm-hmm. you did it. Yeah. And then when it didn't really work, it did okay. You went to me in the back. Remember that back row? Oh, yeah. You went, eh. Like you did like a so so. But I felt so respect. Like you were respecting me. Yeah, yeah. You of respected course, yeah. me. So that's a great, that's a great Steve Burn, oh, Burn well, thanks, memory. Bud. It was awesome. I remember the joke was something about a little person playing basketball. And, and I was like, maybe he dunks himself. That was, that was, <laughs> you, you were talking about seeing a really, uh, maybe that not, a little person that was really good at go basketball. To that? That's great. <laughs> well, it was the Boston. Everything did, eh. Oh, my God, best yeah. bit did, eh. Oh, the buddy. Boston. Those are memories back there in the Boston. I, I wanna, mean, that. I don't think that there could be a better introduction into the world of comedy because it's such a microcosm of the macro world of what it is. Yeah. You're going to get your teeth kicked in on a nightly basis. And if you want to learn about the art of rejection, which we're always trying to stave off and overcome. To our detriment, we're trying to stave it off. Like you sort of, you sort of, if you were really smart or maybe wise, maybe not smart, but wise, you would go, Look, the first 10 years is a lot of pain. 
where's the pain? That's right. Like, yeah. Not Where, too much. Where's all the pain? Where's it? Because I was only there for, uh, I don't know. I really can't remember, but I think it was like six months. I was there for like a heart, like every night for six sure, months. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I got six years of pain. Yep. I was like, let's do it. Let, like I won the pain lottery, one lump <laughs> payment. You had a surplus of yes. pain. Yeah. I don't want a monthly payment for the rest of my life. That's right. I yeah. want the, I want cut it in half, then do the taxes, give me all the pain now. And I really do feel like I got well, out of the way. To your listeners, first off, thanks for having me. But but to to to, to anybody that doesn't know, the, the seller, even back then when it wasn't, didn't have the- Pre-Louis. Pre-Louis. Scandal acknowledged. I, yeah, that's what I say. Sure. Like, we're, we know. But the seller was still like the spot, right? But it, it wasn't packed. It wasn't generating four different locations now on the same no, block. No, it, it, it was just boomed. like revered. You it had was, to go there, it right? It was even cooler to me. You know yeah. why it was cooler? Because it wasn't working me. It, you know what I mean? Like when <laughs> when I go there and like my friends are there, I'm like, right. this isn't the seller. It, it's supposed to be guys I'm terrified of yeah. that are funnier than me. And now it's my peers. And I'm like... The seller's not my peers. Yeah, the, it's not supposed to be sweet, and they're like sweet nerdy guys now. And it's changed. and I'm a sweet nerdy guy. Yes. and I'm like I shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not that I can't I, that I don't love it. I do, but I'm like it's supposed to be Patrice and Geraldo and Norton Voss and, and Voss just shitting on you and being where... really mean. And Burr's not supposed to be famous. He's supposed to be a disgruntled redhead that's just like. Gah, gah. <laughs> we're all kind of like, what's this guy's deal? I mean, he's yeah. so funny, but it, but now he's huge. The club is huge. It's spilled out and into Bobby two Kelly's other clubs. Huge. Bobby Kelly is is this a fat joke? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Sorry. There it is. The first to acknowledge it, but I love him, and I just saw him, and he's yeah. shitting on my Lego head hair, and I was like, Bobby, I remember him. My God, I used to watch on Cringe Humor. Remember Cringe? Oh yeah, humor? he yeah. did a roast video to you. Oh, and I never forget. He said, "You fucking." You fucking wooden puppet face. He called no, your face wooden puppet face. Said and it's the I, meanest thing he's ever seen in his life. What? To this day, Bill Burr has said. So Boston was the opposite of the cellar. Yes. It, it was the... Uh, so close yet there. so far. Oh, my God. So close yet God. so far. Literally a block and a half. Yes. Should be popping. Never. The cellar would be sold out. There's overflow. There's people looking for comedy. No one's going, let's go to the Boston. Nope. 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 So one night, you take this experience and put it in the shittiest venue in New York City, and it all makes sense. So I think it was Voss was having a roast, and what happened to before this was, you know, when you're a comic in New York, I, I, I think the accessibility to audition or or have a tape for a, an SNL audition that that's that's what was happening. I, I put together tape for. SNL's yeah, we're, audition. We're, we're, we're going to uh, have to go ahead and close that door. Somebody's uh, grouting something. <laughs> <laughs> sound of grout. That's Nobody's right. putting on the sound of grout soundscape to fall asleep. <laughs> you have Your neighbor construction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so so you basically, putting, sorry, they're having this stopped. Rich Voss roast, yeah. and I was putting together a tape for SNL at the time, and Robert Kelly, who's very tech savvy, lent me his video camera. I left the, the DVR tape in there, and I bought a six-pack of tapes, and I said, here's five more. Thank you for letting me use the camera. Feel free to record over the tape. He said, of course. Lo and behold, what I found out is he watched the tape because I just pressed record and did it all. Yeah. And then I, I had somebody edit it the best parts of the tape for my audition. Oh, no. Bobby oh, no. edited the worst parts of the tape together. Oh, no. And 
rolled out a fucking TV like like you know in f- fifth grade when it's like oh we're gonna watch a nature the video. hungover history teacher. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Mike's dead again. Hold on. Is that good? There okay, we go. There we go. Okay, sorry. Technical difficulties. We're back. Back, baby. Hungover history teacher rolls out the ta- the camera. The Bobby TV. rolls out the TV. Yeah. Doesn't even do any. Jo- he presses play. And wait, where, where is this? This is on stage at the Boston. Every comic in New York City is at the Boston. Oh, this is Rich Voss's roast. Rich Voss's roast. So he, he brings out. This is unbelievable because it's out. already like a shark pool. And the water's just red. There's so much blood. Oh, they want it. more chum. And here comes, they want more chum. Here comes a tiny mini DV. You guys ready for Thanksgiving? Of chum. Yeah. yeah. You're going to drop <laughs> your bleeding ass oh, into fuck. the water. Bobby presses play, and people are like, what is this? And Bobby's like, it's Steve Burns' SNL audition. But it wasn't. It wasn't. He took the worst parts of my audition. Yeah, no, I hear And it. Colin Can Plainish, I just point out the urgency still? This is 10 years ago. Yeah. And you go, it wasn't. Like, it's, <laughs> it's still, like, I'm just relating. No, I'm relating. I know what I'm it's over. like. <laughs> You're in the shower going, this has to stay It was the worst me. parts. It was the worst parts. I have a great Bill Clinton impression. And he used my warm up. Yes. He played the worst parts oh, of the audition. This buddy. is my nightmare, by the way. Any any video I have on YouTube that's funny, yeah. there's a there's enough footage to put together a horrible roast of of the misses. Always, always, always. and this was all the misses, all the misses, all the misses, all the misses. Uh, all the misses. Uh, and so one by one, after the roast is over, I was emceeing at the cellar that night, and everybody comes in, and I don't think they knew I was emceeing you- or whatever. They walk in, they couldn't even look at me, and I was just like, "What's what's going on?" And people were just, like staying away from me, and then Burr ended up coming up to me. He goes. Do you hear what happened? I go, no. He goes, ah, the meanest thing I ever seen. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and so he Bill told Burr me says the meanest thing he's ever seen. He told me, and then I did Burr's uh, podcast like a year ago, and he said to this day the meanest thing I've ever seen in comedy. Yes, I was like, wow, that's uh, that's yes. pretty fucking mean. Because yes. there's a lot of mean people in this. So place. you you you're owed a few fat jokes if you want to say, yeah, fuck Bobby, yeah, but I love him. I, I still love him. Because I think he's wooden puppet face is not that mean <laughs> compared. Well, it was uh, AIDS beard when I grew my growth out. Uh, Norton called me AIDS beard. Lego head hair was another one. <laughs> Lego head hair. Yeah, Lego head hair because it was like thick and like bushy and it popped out. And <laughs> it was like. Almost like a bowl cut. Can I just say, <laughs> sometimes they're helpful. <laughs> sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes yeah. it's for the best. They cut to the bone. I always use this example, but Christian Finnegan saw me once and he went, cell phone belt clip. And I just was like, I actually felt loved. Because it was the first time I had worn my cell phone belt clip. Yeah. And he didn't even have to come up with a joke. He, he knew the joke was what I was wearing that's, on my belt. That's all it you have to do is a palm trio with a transparent oh case, you know, like almost like a dumpling skin case, a mat. Did you say dumpling skin case? Yeah. You, excuse me. I got to go. Do you guys validate? <laughs> <laughs> because your age... Dumpling skin yes, case. I, yeah, I would say that to a non-age. <laughs> that's what it was. It was a dumpling skin case. But let me put it in terms you can understand. Okay, yes. A dumpling skin case. <laughs> oh, my God. I uh, want the ability to like split into parallel realities. Yeah. To have me interviewing Robert Kelly. Yeah. Would I have said dumpling skin case? Oh, oh he would pound you. 
he would uh, he wouldn't he, would he wouldn't stop. have it he wouldn't stop well he'd be looking for the dumplings he'd be looking <laughs> <laughs> he'd be distracted the rest That's of the right. day yes i remember burr told me that bobby taught burr how to this is his words mm-hmm. bobby's words how to eat like a fat guy and I think Burr was like, "Show me! I want to see what he, I want to see what the fuck it is you're doing." Yeah. And he was like, "It's all about chasing salty sweet. So you eat something salty until you've had enough. Then you eat something sweet, and then and then this like is this so is funny. This is ins- like, but yeah. it is a good. It's not good. It's an insight into like how the I don't want to call it an addiction, but there's like yeah, a yeah, yeah. there's like a little bit of a a thing going on. Oh, for sure. Because I know that like sometimes I'll eat a pickle mm-hmm. and then the pickle makes you want more pizza and the, or whatever. Pizza sure, is a yeah. bad example, but you know you go back and forth. And apparently that's what you do if you're like a real top level eater. Yeah, you're like let's get some fucking salty stuff mm-hmm. and let. I remember on Louis when they did you want to do bang bang. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Where you eat a full meal and then you go eat a full meal? That's right, yeah. I was at, was I the only one at home going like, no! <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. No! I, because I, I mean, I am... You'll do a bang bang? I fucking love food. I, it, is my, it is my speciality. Like, it's my superpower. Sleep and eating. Wow, those remember, two go great. Oh, I fucking love You're sleep. You're basically hibernating. <laughs> this oh, yeah, yeah. Just digesting it all off. Most people, like, I need six <laughs> to seven... I'm like, I need eight to ten. Eight to ten? Yeah. So and you have children. If I don't get it in, I'll get naps in. And the kids... You'll like, go for naps. I'll go for that's naps. That's funny because one of the things I'd say about you is you're one of the most consistent people I've ever met. Like, meaning, I guess I've never seen you when you didn't get your eight ten in pieces or in one lump sum. Yeah. Lump sum. Well, I think I'm a... Keeps coming up. By nature, just a, I guess, a happier person. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, well, that, I know that, that our world is littered with not so much, but... But um, maybe that's why I felt comfortable being like, hey, what if the little person dunks himself? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, great. I know that's not exactly okay, but I'm not going to make up a fake... That was the joke. <laughs> that's at the that time. That was the joke. And at the time... You could do that joke. At the time, you could do it, At yes. the time. Now I'll sell saying... it to Brad Williams. <laughs> and Brad and, Williams and, and would do it. it with you, yeah. And, and Brad I'll, Williams and would And I would dunk myself. <laughs> if I was in a, a... Picture Brad Williams saying, if I was in a slam dunk contest, <laughs> yeah. I'd hit the trampoline and dunk myself. <laughs> and listen to the sound of his new closer. Uh, because yes. that is a fucking... Oh, I remember you doing it. But anyway, I didn't even get to tell you the other. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. The happiness. You, let's let's go back to you're a happy guy and a, okay. and the sleep guy. I want to tell you this story. When the in that fucking coldest entryway to the Boston, and this guy, uh, he was a, he was a black man comic. I don't remember his name, mm-hmm. and you don't either. Maybe we do. I don't okay. think we do. You know how there would just be guys, and they were funny, and they'd show up out of nowhere, yeah, and they would do well, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, "Who are these guys?" And then you'd slowly put together like, "Oh, there's something going on. Like there's sure, sort of yeah. an issue. Like yeah. there might be a mental issue. There might be an addiction issue. And it's not funny, but like you'd see like I see why I don't see you around all the time. The yeah. Boston, by the way, was ground zero for people like that. Funny, oh, yeah. talented people that would kill on yeah. stage, and you'd be like. How long have you been doing it? They're like 20 years. And you're like, why haven't I heard of you? Never, yeah. You wouldn't say that. But then you'd see them later in the night eating a live parrot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you'd just see them crouch oh, eating a parrot and yeah. you'd be like, right. Like there's a real <laughs> yeah. attraction for the criminally insane in what we do. So this guy 
was fucking killing, blowing yeah. the light, mm-hmm. and getting really, really drunk. Oh. And I was there the whole night. So I was watching him. He was pretty drunk at the beginning. Mm-hmm. By the time you got there, mm-hmm. which was a great drop in, not just saying, like, oh, somebody real is here. This guy is fucked up. Oh. He's fucked up on a bottle of rum that he had stashed in the back. Oh. So he, you come in. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this, I'm saying this to make you feel good. It was a big deal. Steve Byrne is here. Right. You're a killer. You're a, a real comic. You're too kind, but. And, and I was excited to see you. And I'm like, I, uh, like a child of a tumultuous home, I'm sort of embarrassed for my club as if it's my, <laughs> as if you're coming to my house to play and my mom's passed out with uh, a lit cigarette. Daddy's you not know? happy, Steve. <laughs> What's wrong, Pete? Let me talk to Daddy. Daddy, I don't think you want to go in there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's the feeling when you're like, my dad's in the mood. We are going to Disneyland, but right. uh, we're not going to enjoy the ride down. <laughs> so we get there. She just has a, a cold. That's not COVID. Got it. Okay. It's not even a cold. I'm vaxxed. Was just, we're, cold. we're all vaxxed. We're all relaxed. Anyway, um, he asked for your credit. Right. No less than seven times. Yeah. And he, so it went like this. And I'm you. Yeah. I'm also him. He goes, what's your credit? You went, late, late, Joe. That was the first time. Around time seven. <laughs> imagine just a blacked out drunk yeah. person. He goes, okay, what's your, what's your credit? You found ways to say the late, late show <laughs> with all of the trademark Steve Byrne, like, this is funny. Like, you were communicating, like, this is weird. Right. And you would go, late, late show. Like, in a way that let me and everyone watching right. know that I'm enjoying you, this you were enjoying right it. Yeah. <laughs> but all you would say is late, late show. Like, you didn't right. get mean on him. You didn't shame him. Yeah. But you did just let out this little laugh. Uh, late, late joke <laughs> that I'll never forget. Because honestly, not to butter your bread again, it was something I didn't see a lot, which was humility. Right. Like you weren't going to be mean and well, be look, like, I'm at the Boston. Are you going to? Yeah. There. Can you be, right? It's a humble factory. Very humbling. Oh, my God. Just put a little humble pies for but you But also, to eat. like, I, and, and look, we came up together at a time when, here's an example of what I'm talking about. I think that, and and I could be wrong here. Uh, you may disagree with me here, but I think that I'm going to disagree, no matter what you say, just for fun. The contrarian, Pete Holmes. <laughs> um, so I think that there was pressure on the comics and then on the comedy clubs, and the knee jerk reaction was to, um, and then this will all come back in a second. So just give me a second to boomerang here, but I think there's been a knee jerk reaction from comedy club owners. Eddie to- Murphy and a golden. Bow tie, boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Give you a second to Eddie Murphy in a golden bow tie. Oh my god! I can't wow. believe you I, laughed at it because it was a well, real risk. I was interrupting. I remember paying to see that movie <laughs> with Tara Zatola, and she. I got her the soundtrack because she loved oh, Boomerang, and so I know Boomerang god. quite well. Yeah, and I got well. her the soundtrack for Christmas, thinking. Nobody, nobody's nope. uh, coming to America boomerang. No. Nobody's coming to America-ing boomerang. boomerang. <laughs> and you know what? If there was one movie that should come back... It's boomerang! <laughs> there we go. It's boomerang! Get, get it on the t-shirt. It's boomerang! Get it on the t-shirt right now. That... I mean, if there was a a big enough shirt that could explain... <laughs> like, wait. It's turn around. around. Hear me out. <laughs> the, the fr- now go to the sleeve. <laughs> now turn it inside out. <laughs> 
It pays out if you turn it inside out. There's a, there's a punchline there for you. I know there's part of Steve's story, but don't worry. The host doesn't seem to care about the story. He just wanted to say golden bow tie Eddie Murphy. Thank you for that. It was yeah. a, a, a deep, deep, deep cut. cut. It was a deep Was that deep a date? Cut. A boomerang date? It, it it was a date. Yeah. Back in the day. And yeah. you bought the soundtrack. Date. I bought the Very early uh, 2000s. Yeah. No, or that's, 90s. This has got to be 90s. Yeah, late, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early 90s. You weren't going to a dollar theater for a midnight reshowing of Boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> These showcase cinemas. Um, they were all called the showcase, right? Every every town had a showcase. It was like a dollar. It was just like we're eighth graders. Go Look get, at how hard I'm laughing. Get yes, sir. I'll go check But there was it. never a chain, right? There was never a chain of showcase cinemas just... Well, what should we call it? Well, they call it showcase. We'll just call it showcase cinemas, I guess. It's like, right? Isn't that, that weird? Is, that is so funny. <laughs> like, I don't think you could do it on stage, but no. for me, yeah, that is so funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's some things that I'm like, I, I, there's a lot of me's. There's hundreds of me's. Do it on a podcast, but if you did it tonight at the store, <laughs> oh. I don't know how oh. many people are gonna go. I yeah, blame. I, I go. Peter Holmes cinemas. thought it was. Oh fuck, you guys. I mean, I'm dying. I was silent laughing. <laughs> From the moment you said showcase cinemas, <laughs> they were called showcase cinemas. But there was no chain. It wasn't like Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Blockbusters. It was a lot of independent a showcase. Billionaire cinemas. in Iowa is like, oh, that's uh, oh, you don't know his dad owns all the showcase cinemas. Oh. What? That's who it. This is showcase cinemas money. <laughs> oh my! You guys God. have an icy machine in your garage, really? <laughs> That's fucking yeah. He owns the showcase cinemas. That's that's so funny. Dane Cook has a. Um, I gotta leave. Essence theft. Oh god! I forgot about <laughs> essence theft. I forgot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That did happen. Sorry. Wait, I, 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 I want to say this to you, okay? Because because yeah. you'll relate to this. Okay? I didn't mean Owen and now essence theft. This is we can edit it. Out I, no, I can. I, I've I've talked. But to I'm, Dane this about isn't it that and, podcast. Yeah. I, I'm not here. To, I'm not going down the list. I'm more than happy. I to. just I meant to no... say that Dane has a fridge with a like <laughs> like in a Seven Eleven, like a clear right. door. It's fridge. where the essence is stored, <laughs> and you cannot. And I I was a safe cracker that day. I went in. I tried to move away I moved, and you brought it back to essence. I crept under the eight Lamborghinis and I can I say it and got if it. there's yeah. one comedian that I would see head to toe cat burglar all black Catherine Zeta jonesing through lasers mm-hmm. to get to Dane's essence <laughs> it is you I'm just saying if we were going to do a movie yeah. by the way Dane we love you I think that's clear I hope that's clear yeah do yeah you, wait maybe you don't no I do uh look I, I find Dane fascinating because the one thing you can never take away from the guy is all the things he achieved it's crazy how yeah how worse he just skyrocketed and back in the day and he did us all a favor i I, i'm not saying this because because there's a chance now someone's gonna be like yo dc you gotta check out stevie b shots fired (laughs) he said your refrigerator is where you keep your essence dog you gotta hear this shit I know he wouldn't even care because it's a, just a riff, a funny riff. But yeah. he did. One of the first things I said to him was, you did us all a favor because I was doing colleges. And before Dane broke big in colleges, colleges weren't cool. Kids weren't just sure, going yeah. to the comedy show. But then they were. Yeah. Like, I watched the crowds get get bigger. He did do that. He did so many things. And and look, even back in the day, like when I first moved to L.A. and he was a double, like, 
What's that? Back in the day, BITD. People say BITD. BITD. Sorry about that. That's right, yeah. Uh, Can I get one of those bumper stickers I cost on the way up too, please? Hilarious. Please. Um, The middle that sells the BITD (laughs) bumper sticker. (laughs) And yes, I'm selling these after the show. BITD. But but he, yeah, look, the whole thing happened, right? And... It, it was weird. Then he went on. He went on Marin. And look, we've we, he and I have talked about. It. We we put it to bed. It's fine. Yeah. Um. But he went on Marin and discussed his version. And I heard. I was like, and for years, like Norton was like, "Come on, Opie and Anthony, talk about it. Talk about." It. I was like, "No, because I'm going to seem like this meek little, you know, puppy outside the party, right? And I don't want to be that guy. I, I just I don't want to shit on somebody who's enormously popular, especially at the time. So I was just like, I'm never going to dress it." It's fine. It'll be fodder. And then uh, when he went on Marin, that's when I asked Marin, can I come on and tell my side? And then I did. Is that I, where it by, I just realized we're just talking like two comics. At some point, Dane accused you of essence. Of, of stealing his essence. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I just when I was you, sorry. I, I was like, look, I work so hard at this. Uh, you know, I would never work this hard to be a knockoff of somebody else. Yeah. And you were immensely successful and proven to do so well at it. Why would I try to be a worse version of you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm trying to be the best version of myself. And um, look, I'm not going to lie. It definitely kind of fucked me up at the time because I just moved to LA. And mm-hmm. at that time, he was he was the guy. Yeah. I mean, he was everywhere and everybody loved him and killing it. And at the time, like legitimately crushing too. There was something that he had at that moment in time where it's like a pitcher. Like for three seasons, they were unhittable. And then it, it kind of waned a bit. And I think when it waned a bit, then everything else kind of dissipated. And I, I, if there was one documentary I'd love to see, I'd love to see an objective documentary on his career, how high he shut up and how deep he fell and then him crawling out of it again. And, uh, you know, look, he's somebody I, I wish nothing but the best for. And mm-hmm. when I've seen him uh, in the past and stuff, he, he actually called me before covid to ask me if i would do something with him i was like yeah, yeah you know yeah sure That's but great. um but oh i, I, I want to bring this up okay yeah go ahead because i like your opinion on this because we came up in new york city at the same time and i think you really i think you really had to earn your stripes back mm-hmm. then and get your teeth kicked in on a nightly basis and it wasn't just the rigors of the clubs and getting booked it was also getting pounded by the seniors right if you're a freshman just constantly Which, by the way i just I actually think this is pretty great. I don't see it anymore. Well, this is my point. I kind of... What do you feel about that? So the last, I'd say three times I've been in New York City, I pop into certain clubs and somebody I've never seen before, not saying that that's like, oh, I don't know who you are. It's just like, oh, they're they're new. Great. Mm -hmm. So whoever's been emceeing these shows, and this is the last few times I've been in New York, this is post-COVID, not one person emceeing a show has ever asked me for my credits not one person has ever asked me how do i say your name because they fuck up your name right Mm. and i think steve byron steve bryn it's like it's spelled right there steve bryn (laughs) you got steve room (laughs) ladies and gentlemen steve burn (laughs) you got burn right yeah you got you got burn right Wait, this is interesting to me. I, I, I'm surprised. So nobody asks for your credits because I think nobody goes. If lay, lay, you jump. had been put through the rigors, right? Yeah, I think if you had been put through the rigors of, again, just doing it the old-fashioned way of like getting your teeth kicked in, 
uh, seeing how it's done, and then understanding, okay, if I'm the MC of the show, I should ask somebody for the credits, not just bring them up. And I'm the last person in the world. If you ever ask for my credits to go, I'd say whatever you want. Yeah. But I think when you just see the complete lack of awareness, and I think that, I don't know, maybe I I should put on on the elder statesmen of the comics that are there, to say, hey, you, you should keep this still in check here because there is... You're saying respect should still be paid to the credits? Uh, no, no, but to the process. Yeah. To the process. And what is like, the alternative to that process? You're shooting up without those things, th- those benchmarks? I think that there is a uh, maybe a lack of respect for the process because they got there so quick, you just jumped in the deep end, and so you don't know what the process because is. Because they blew up fast, like... Or they're just, it's just like, put that person in. They've been doing comedy for a year and a half. And now you got, the lineups are littered with comics that, uh, look, even from your friends in New York, you'd be like, oh, this person's great. I should watch this person. Mm -hmm. But I I don't even get that when I'm in New York. Mm -hmm. It's just like, just these faceless kind of nameless comics that that are all like passionate about, obviously, and I want to see them do great. But I think because they haven't been through the rigors of really earning the stripes. And it's not just the credits, you're saying like the 10 years of, of doing it. Sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's, a, there's a sense of decorum and formula to these clubs. And I think that it's just like, it's like why people hate The Force Awakens. It's like Ray just got the Force. She just <laughs> has the Force. Like she has no training. And now at the end, she's fighting Kylo Ren and she's holding her own. And then the land splits and she's fighting. It's like. That's, yeah. I think, yeah, again, I the issue mean. of like these kids just get comedy. They just get to do it. It's like, you know, you're, you got to really earn it. Right. And so I, I, I'm not trying to shit on anybody. I'm not saying that the, the dynamics of the industry shouldn't shift because they always will and they always do. And there's always recalibrations every few years. And this recalibration is happening. But I just think that somebody at some point, and I, I, it should have been me, I should have just pulled the the young individual aside and said, look, you know, when you're doing this, you should just add a respect or, you know, to the performer, ask uh, what your credits are, whatever, you know. And how do I bring you up? Here's how I can agree and yeah. with what you're saying. When I was coming up, when you were at the cellar and I was at the Boston, the morning after I was on my first episode of Best Week Ever, mm-hmm. uh, and then I think I was on Premium Blend like the same month. So then like... I used to it's make a big the, month. The, the it's a huge month. I mean, back in the day, for sure, that'd be huge a month. awesome, right? Huge month. Yeah, and I was a very low person on the totem pole, mm-hmm. and I was eating shit sandwiches nightly, <laughs> and like doing a lot of work for free. This was sure. my interning time. Like I would, I would sometimes unlock the club, get the register, the guys at the bag it in, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and set up. And I was happy to do it. And I, this is actually kind of weird to admit, I was sort of happy in my subservient position mm-hmm. i liked when i printed out the thing it would say steve Byrne, late late show i'm printing these out at home sure. <laughs> and bringing them into the club just kind of trying to be like the seller because i don't know if the seller still does that but it has a name and then it writes out the credit yes it was like a big deal to have credits yeah and i remember when so it was literally overnight suddenly i had two credits it went from pete holmes with nothing yeah which is awkward clubs and colleges clubs and colleges yeah to pete holmes best week ever premium blend two credits yeah out of nowhere and i was uncomfortable and because I didn't know, is there going to be a ribbon cutting? Like I, I hung up, <laughs> I tacked up the lineup, I locked it in the little glass case, right. and then I went out and on the corner and barked. Right. And I was barking for a show that had people that didn't have credits. And you know, here you and, are. And I'm barking and I had credits. But there wasn't like just a switch because everybody knew me sure. as that guy. And then I go to the cellar, which was so... 
I didn't do it a lot, mm-hmm. but I'd do it every once in a while. And I'd sit at one of the satellite tables, not the back table. Right. And I actually remember this wasn't at the back table, and it was me, Big J, Bill Burr, and some other people. But those are the people that are important. Maybe mm-hmm. Bobby Kelly. But like it was the ball-breaking bunch. Right. <laughs> you, you heard about this, the sack lunch bunch? This is the ball-break bunch. <laughs> and let me tell you, sweetheart, Mulaney ain't here and nobody's singing. <laughs> This is the ball break bunch, and it's NC seven fucking team. Um, <laughs> and Burr made fun of me. Yeah, and even though Burr wasn't Stadium Burr, sure. Burr was a really big deal to me. Yeah, and to a lot of us, we just had like it was like Wyatt Earp respect. Yeah, you know, yeah. like local killer. And uh, he made fun of me, and then Big Big J, who was always nice to me, like yeah, and so was Burr, but like. Big J and you never broke my balls. Right. They were just sweeter. And and Big J goes, careful, Bill. Pete's got more credits than you now. And I <laughs> wanted to get out of there. I didn't stand up and go, that's right, right Big J. <laughs> Suck it, Billy Burr. That's right, Billy Burr. I know you from way that's back. That's right, yeah. It wasn't that I shrunk to the size of an orange Tic Tac and I wanted to get out of there. Right. And because I remember Bill didn't come back from it. He just sort of was like, <laughs> I'm not saying he was like stumped. Right. Or even cared. Yeah. But like, I was like, don't talk. He, like these people were like my comedy dads in a sure, way. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, don't belittle my dad. Like don't punch my dad. My right. dad punches me. That's the abuse. <laughs> like that's the yeah. fucked up nature of this comedy relationship. Yeah. I, I, you know, I do want to mention something about you. Because you were, you know, saying some very kind things. But as I'm driving over I got here, more. I was thinking to myself, Mike, my, my God, you you have this retrospect of looking back at people you admire and appreciate and respect, especially back in the day when we're starting off from literally rock bottom. There's only one way to go up and you go up, right? And in and, an environment where like, we're talking about you couldn't make the Brad Williams joke and and it's it's so hard to talk about so many things. This was a different time. This was just oh. Mad Max. Oh, God. It was a flat desert yeah. of crazy homemade vehicles. Goes. People breathing fire, horrible racism, Eating horrible parrots. homophobia, yeah. horrible everything. Yeah. And that also just flat straight meanness. And I thought I was going to make crashing about that. Sorry to interrupt, but then I was like Nobody even wants to see that. Like it, it, it was, it was, it was hard. Is what I'm saying. So, so okay, um, hit it. Well, okay, well, oh, I, I hold on. Use... I want to come back to that because yeah. because it brought up something. I, I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. But, but I remember going back to the days of at the Boston, and you always have a, a charisma about you, and that's why I was yeah. like seeing you and Derosa, and you guys always yeah. hanging in the back. And want to hear my Derosa? <laughs> Ask me how the Force Awakens was. How's the Force Awakens? It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves it there, and then it he was stops. Fine. And you're yeah. like, oh, the sentence yeah. is over. Yeah, it's done. There's no more it's to it. Done. He's he's eating. He's great. God, bless I him. love Joe more more than so many people. But it was like when I saw you guys laughing in the back because uh, the four people in the front weren't. But when I saw, you, I was like, oh, okay, maybe this will this will yeah, this will work. And yeah. that was like my like, oh, they're great. They're comics. They get it. And I remember you barking all the stuff and coming around and just always being really fucking cool and sweet mm. and kind. And it was a nice escape from 
those other guys. Sure. So every time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is somebody really, I really appreciate. Even now, that's like a breakthrough for me because I was like, I didn't think anybody even was seeing me as a human being. Oh, I God. knew Dustin liked me. Like Dustin appreciated my Dustin's energy great, yeah. and liked me ha- having me around. But I felt invisible to everybody else. So the fact that you even had an opinion of like, let's go over there. And there's me right. and Devonchi And <laughs> right, yeah. uh, I'm trying to remember the other people. I guess Kilstein was there briefly. That's right. Oz. Yeah. There was a kid named Oz. You it can't was make a... this shit up. There was a kid named Oz. Can you... And then, uh, <laughs> oh God, Ronan was downstairs bartending. That's right. And he was super nice. The best. And I remember yeah. going to the Baggett and they always had, uh, they just put in Be Here, Be Here Now. And I used to drop whatever money I made and just play Be Here Now all night really? at the bar. And I would just sit there and just listen to Oasis. But I was thinking, boy, you, you think about all these people you start with. And I, I think this industry is so, so arduous and difficult. Anytime somebody gets something, I'm, I'm like happy for them because it's a hard, it's, it's a tough business. Yeah. And when you've done the two things I think every stand-up comic of our generation wanted to do. You either A, wanted your own show, mm-hmm. or you wanted a talk show. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the few that's done both. Oh, and I think it's fucking... It, it's like it's to great. have that on your resume, and, and in years from now, when you're sitting wherever you're retired, and go, fuck. I mean, yeah. how many comics can say, I had my own late-night talk show, yeah. and I had my own scripted show? That's fucking... Unbelievable yeah. to know that when you were barking all those years ago, yeah. and you still have so much road ahead of you, and who knows what's going to happen next. But I mean, plain engine falls on me. <laughs> <laughs> but no one can ever that's take that he, away that, from that's you. Right. That's fucking crazy. Here's and why you I'm did agreeing. it, and you did it when when um you had a, a late night talk show when getting a show was fucking hard, yeah. and you had crashing when getting a show was hard. I think when you had it at that time, it was just the precipice before. This unloading of content happened. It wasn't content So it was yet. still special. It wasn't content. Right. When we did the Pete Holmes show, nobody was like, this is great because TBS needs a lot of content right now. <laughs> We're launching TBS now. We have TBS then. We have TBS to be. TBS to be is just our science fiction TBS network. Then TBS then is all of our reruns. <laughs> Why is it Trump? It's all of our reruns. Very good. Very good network. You got to check it out. Um, I don't know where that voice came from. Here's why I'm agreeing with you because I'm a big believer in gratitude. I've been doing a gratitude list in the morning. Sure. It's a, it's, it really is changing my life because once you get the ball rolling, right. if you start your morning by just being like, I'm just grateful that like I relate so well with Val, like mm-hmm. just little shit or I'm grateful. I wrote literally like hot baths. I haven't even taken a hot <laughs> bath in a while, but I was just like, we live in a world where you can soak in hot water. Right. Like that's- Dumpling a skin case, does that make it on the... It's got to be number one or at some point, right? Steamed dumpling <laughs> with the little slices of cabbage. <laughs> I, I think you're Chinese. With the little slices... <laughs> with the li- You know what I mean, dim sum. I think you're... Uh, right? I steamed dim sum. What brand? What brand? Yeah. Oh, what brand? brand? Yeah. I used to say, "What flavor Asian are you?" That what was flavor. Oh, because I learned yeah. that from. Here's another Steve Byrne memory. Yeah. Are you ready? This is the things I learned. Yeah. I was like a toddler in that my brain was a sponge. <laughs> like I was just. This yeah. is why it was fun for me to make crashing because I remember everything right. from that time. It, and I don't. And ha- you were too kind. I, I don't want to interject, but please. This is going to be very quick. It's okay. You were so kind to all those New York comics. You jam packed that show with so many. I, oh, I think that I think there, there's 
people in your situation that would have gone, oh, well, let's get some cool actors that can pretend to be yeah. stand-ups, but oh. you you kept it, you had Dove on, and I mean, Jess, and... Uh, I've I've always been a huge fan of So Dove. sorry to interrupt, but go. No, please. Sorry. I used to watch Dove. Dove was one of those guys where I was like, am I the only one seeing this? Oh. If you ever see Dove kill... Oh, my God. I saw him at the improv, and he improvised his closer, and I don't mean fake improv. I mean, like, he took a Genuinely. suggestion, and he did a riff on Hyper it. Hyper-intelligent guy. And I guy. was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. No. And he's a great actor. Um, but you're talking about crashing. Sorry about that. No, no, no. I was actually, I was saying, I remember everything from that time, and this is one of the things I learned from you, because I just said, I think you're Chinese, and... I used to say, what flavor Asian are you on stage at the Boston? I understand that's cheeky. That's the point. You're not supposed to just ask an Asian person what flavor Asian they are. (laughs) And where did I get that? It was from you. Oh, okay. I watched you say things like that. Mm -hmm. And then specifically, this is a real memory. You're on stage. It it was like a good night at the Boston. It was probably Saturday night. And there were these two uh, black guys in the front row. Right. But not just black guys, like young... uh, I don't know how, like, clean New York blue baseball caps, like, kind of like fresh, fresh, yeah, crisp, yeah, crisp young black men in the front. And you go, um, I don't know if anyone here listens to hip hop. And like, you <laughs> and you lean, <laughs> that sounds right. You leaned down to yeah. them. Yeah. I just, I just, what I learned at the Boston, right. Was a certain fake fearlessness because I was afraid. Sure, yeah. And on those good nights when I was watching, wait, you can just call out what you're thinking. Like yeah. Part of the joke is everyone in that room assumes those people, uh, those two guys, were listening to hip hop. They have chains. Sure, yeah. They look like you know gold Jesus piece kind of style guys. Yeah. Probably like hip hop. Is that okay to say? Not really. It's sort of in a. It's fun. You certainly wouldn't say it in life. There's a comedian, he's just saying, and that's what comedy is, is laughing at how our brains work, yes. in part. It's this catharsis of mm-hmm. going like, we do, we make these micro judgments all day, every day. We're yep. responses, we're snap judgments, and good comedy can really help us laugh that we're hinged, that we're tied to these absurd thinking mechanisms. The yes. brain is beautiful, but it's also absurd, yes. and it does these absurd things. And then I remember very similarly... It was a Friday. Remember Friday at the Boston was was talent night. Oh yeah, and talent, talent was Will Sylvans. Talent and Will Sylvans. So talent it, was yeah. a black comedian. Is a black comedian, and he used to have a night at the Boston on Friday. So Friday was always a very predominantly black crowd. Mm-hmm. And I'm a predominantly white comedian. <laughs> <laughs> the last person they expect to see. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I'm on every show. That's right. Yeah. And here I am. And there was one night where, like, inspired by those moments, there were these guys, and they were just hard. They were hard. They were, mm-hmm. like, tough guys yeah. sitting in the front with their arms crossed, and and just, like, it was intimidating. And here comes Corn Boy. <laughs> here comes Corn Boy. Howdy, everybody. <laughs> with a howdy, a hey, howdy, hey. <laughs> and it's not to say that they couldn't love my sense of humor, but sure. there's there's just this feeling, there's a fear Again, talking about how the brain mm-hmm. works, these guys probably aren't going to like me. So you watching guys like you leaning into having a fearlessness. I remember I went up and I, I mimicked their body language. Mm-hmm. I was like, look at these guys sitting here like this. And I crossed my arms real right. tight. I think I had a baseball hat on and I kind of tilted it in the same way. <laughs> I, I promised this was appropriate. Like it was funny. It wasn't yeah. making fun of them. Sure. It was calling out that there were two like hard guys yeah. in the front not laughing. 
and I was the host, and I was going to <laughs> break going them. there. Yeah, I was gonna. I I had to That's address your job. it. They were so close. They were in my spotlight. Yeah. I had to address it. And that's what I learned from the bus. And was like, even though I'm so afraid of this situation going wrong, yeah. I have to try. And, and yeah, then it would yeah. work. And, and that's, that's one of the great things about, I think, starting off in stand-up in New York City in particular at that time was that the urban shows, as they were called, um, they were the most welcoming to other comics mm. like i would think oh there's no way i should be at this show with talent and they were always, always like an open open door policy if you want time come down we'll put you up yeah they never gave a shit and i think they were like that with you with so that many was comics. where i first got a lot and of that's time, where yeah. you're like oh shit yeah. okay i gotta start from you know the seller you're starting from here now i gotta start way over here can i do it was another tool in your arsenal yeah. of understanding okay this is going to make me better and don't be, any situation and don't be scared and don't, don't be, be stupid exactly. like what you're really doing is you're being you're being you're having a prejudice a prejudge you're judging yes. um hard looking meaning just like tough muscular you know sure stone-faced <laughs> trying <laughs> walking on so many eggshells i'm just saying you're prejudging Peek the shovel out of they hand. probably yeah. <laughs> don't like my robocop jokes and then, then they do. But then they do. And you're like, fuck. It's yeah. one of the great things about comedy is you're like, wait, what are you, crazy? Yeah. We all know RoboCop. Yeah. It's what Bill Burr said. He was like, he's, he was one of the first guys that really went up in the black rooms a lot. And I was like, what is that like? Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's the same advantage uh, anybody that's different has on a lineup. Right. If you're the only this, you have an advantage. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only white guy and I go up and, yeah. and I can come this yeah, I'll way, tell you, and, way and those urban shows back in the day if you crushed you fucking crushed it was you the, felt yeah. like oh my god I, i'm getting a deal tomorrow yeah there was right. no better shows to do that's right oh my fucking god yeah it's a little bit like black church i'm not trying to be yeah. funny uh, when white white black preachers used to come to my white church and they would be like what the fuck like i'd hear them talking afterwards being like what was that <laughs> Because stiff white people in our khakis would just be like, not even nodding. Not yeah. even nodding. Yeah. Nodding is too loud. <laughs> and then I used to go to a church in Mattapan, and I was like, this is what it looks... If you really believe yeah. that God loves you and like everything's okay, mm -hmm. why aren't you a little more standing joyous? up and clapping? Yeah, it, it's surgical. Like, Catholic understand. church is surgical. It There's is. nothing... And now we shall make the incision... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we will get the scalpel. The scalpel. <laughs> uh, it is absurd to have someone be like, you are will be with God in paradise. And, yeah. and cut to the audience and we're just like, it looks like you just said, there's a geo being towed. <laughs> there's a geo being towed. A small red two-door geo for those of you born in the 80s or 90s that's a car oh my grandfather had a geo and the fact that you you pulled geo made me laugh so goddamn hard and it reminded that was my, me that was your showcase cinema oh my <laughs> it reminded me this is how much of a dipshit i was my grandfather gave me his geo because he was too old he couldn't drive i brought it i brought it to kent state i thought it was the shit i was like oh i got a car now this is awesome yes yeah i pulled it up in front of my door i left it there i got towed 
I scrap I sold all my CDs like a gap windbreaker to get my money. So I went to the tow company to get got it my back. car back. I drove it back to the dorm. I had to get something so I could find a park spot. I went inside. My car got towed again. I was like, motherfucker. So when I think they, of the deal, I bet I, they followed you from the tow lot. I wouldn't like, doubt this it. Guy. I mean, it was so fucking quick. You got towed again. I ran inside again. my door to grab a, like my backpack, and I ran back out, and it was fucking, it was gone. You Absolutely got gone. Toad. Yeah. Again. So I want to ask you because you said you were going to make crashing about more harsh. More harsh. Yeah. In terms of like the yesteryear days of. Well, the original conceit, only because you seem interested, yeah. was to do it at that time. Like, right. To go back a little bit and be like, it's 2000. And buy yourself wiggle room knowing four. it's 2000. You could say these things back yeah, then. Basically. Yeah, basically. And then, you know. It's an interesting thing. I have a lot of memories of like when would be riffing or uh, specifically I remember Burr was riffing in one of his episodes and Paige, my wonderful assistant, came up to me and she was like, a lot of people are uncomfortable right now. <laughs> like, oh. Just because we were going in the way that it was. <laughs> sure. I, he wasn't saying to my ear, he wasn't saying anything. He right. wasn't even close to saying something that I was like, that's not okay. Yeah. Because we're recreating the vibe in a comedy club. Not that we're all swashbuckling idiots or racists right, course, or ugly. Yeah. I'm just saying he was just breaking my balls. She was she was yeah. actually feeling uncomfortable for me. He was sort of like making fun of me. I think is what it was. Yeah, and I so in the regard of how it was done. Yeah, back then. Yeah, and that that moment was like I was like eh, I don't I just don't know how Deadwood do you want it? Do you want it to be Deadwood? Right. Yeah. Is that the show? Because a lot of times, like when we would try to do it as it was, it it, it it almost either didn't feel real or it wasn't what anyone wanted to see. And and it turns out like that's not the best part of what we are. Right. I'm not saying it's the ugly, nasty, we need to trim it out, but sure. it turns out there's something more interesting happening in the scene. And it's this. Yeah. It's actually you being like, hey, you were bright and engaging. That's why Artie looking out for Pete, Pete looking oh, out yeah. for Artie, that we think... I, I really feel like this is true. Comedians think what makes us interesting is that we're like, hey, look at this fat piece of shit over here, or whatever. Sure, yeah. And really what it is, is um, I remember the times I would give a drunk comedian a ride home or what, like looking out for one another. Sure, yeah. It's always, it's not that Dave Attell is like surly and 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 cutting on stage. Mm-hmm. It's that Dave Attell off stage is like a sweetie patini, oh, the, the sweetest, and like looking for love and connection, just yes. like everyone. And Jed helped me focus on. He, nobody had to say it. Like that's just where the show naturally right. Was like isn't it more interesting? The macro idea. It was it was Mo Sislak from The Simpsons reading to the reading to like needy children. Sure, like yeah. Mo, who's so much like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that these people are actually kind of kind. Yeah. I, and we're I, back to your own Benjamin thing. Like, is it possible that Artie for sure has been a questionable character mm-hmm. uh, as a lot of addicts are? I'm not saying, I don't know how he was. I'm just assuming if you're addicted sure. to drugs and, and you're in the scene, maybe there's been moments of your life that weren't sterling. Yeah. And he was kind and beautiful. That's what we're trying to get into that like gray area. Yeah, because it's never cut or dry. It's never black or white. And I do think even to go back to when you were talking about Paige going, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable. I think comics, especially this day and age, we have a lot more slack than the normal citizen. And I think what I've just realized 
like a dipshit just after now? doing this for 20 plus years, <laughs> like within the oh, last month or yeah, two, I yeah. go, oh, oh, Twitter's not a comedy club. There's people that, that are just people so that have never funny. been to a comedy club. So I'm bringing a comedy club to an environment where somebody's in a cubicle at work, bored, waiting for a board meeting to start, and they're scrolling through going, that's really fucking offensive. And and it's like, oh yeah, it is, gosh. but you're not, you're not in a comedy club, but I am. I'm always in a comedy club. So I'm thinking when nice. I tweet this out, oh, this is comedy. And it's like, no, this isn't a comedy club, Steve. You're a fucking idiot. Oh, my God. So you just realized it, too. <laughs> I just realized this because like, a week ago. And when, I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. When I would tweet, <laughs> I would think, what would I say in a comedy club? Yeah. 100%. And I remember I had a tweet a couple months ago. I was like, I call my polyamorous friends what was it uh fomo sexuals okay right just uh that's what twitter's for a right throw away right. i'm never gonna say my polyamorous friends are fomosexual i think i'm in a comic club you say that in a comic club it's like it's a speeding car yeah it would just whiz by it's not even worth laughing or not laughing at it's mm-hmm. just a it's a color it's a line joke. yeah just like my friend's polyamorous i call him a fomosexual and you just keep going yeah but you tweet it and it just lands there like a brick mm-hmm. and people like you're saying at work or whatever and then there's polyamorous people and they were upset yeah i'm like yeah that's fair now that you're saying it's not a comedy club yeah i think it is a comedy club i think i'm up there with a stool you're not yeah. you text on a screen that's right, yeah. So it's totally fair for anybody to have whatever response they have any place. Yeah, I've come to that conclusion. But then it's like, you know, then there's the the push and pull of it. Of like, do I be my full expressive self here um, on this medium that you have to utilize to let people know you exist so that you can stay relevant and they can come to your club shows or whatever it might be? Or do you just say, you know, I'm just going to keep in the club and then just post my dates and... Hope to God that's enough too. You know, I guess it's up to the individual, but it really is. You know, look, you know this as well as anybody, and it's choppy waters. It's it's choppy waters out there, and I I think I try to pride myself on pushing it a bit further, especially with the crowd work. Because when I'm in L.A., when I'm in Nashville at Zanies, or even I go to New York and do sets, I just do crowd work. When I'm on the road, I just do my hour. And so I'm so sick of it until I film it that now I just want to release. Mm. And the crowd work has been cathartic for me because I am jumping in and going to places I never thought I would Mm. to just see how far I can stretch the rubber band. How far can I take this to the point where they're laughing? I'm enjoying it. You're mining it for humor. Never intending to offend anybody or be offensive or to say something shocking to be shocking, like generally to try to mine it for gold and find the humor in it, but to see how far I can I can really take it. And yeah. it's been uh in that regard, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think the the crowd work that that's been happening lately, just me cathartically speaking, it like you hear like a release, like people mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, like I think they're just pent up from you 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 can't you you shouldn't you you know well there's a there's an interesting phenomenon going on there because remember there's a lot of talk about intention right and yes. when you are just improvising if it's with the crowd or with yourself there is a, a deeper understanding of like sometimes my own brain goes into like a weird dark alley right and we know that that's honest yes i think we get into more trouble when you're filming a special and you're telling a joke you've told 10,000 times and your joke is like transphobic or whatever it might sure be. yeah so it's interesting 
that that is your clearest catharsis because like I find if if they know I'm improvising mm-hmm. and I accidentally say a little person dunks himself like a basketball, of but then course, I catch yeah. myself and I'm like, that is I is that okay? Like I'm right. sorry, and 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 now we're having fun. The comedy is now that I know I said something I shouldn't have said, and right. but I was just imp- and I'm never going to do it again. That's why I've seen some Herald shows, improv shows at UCB and stuff mm-hmm. where I'm like, a transcript of this ends seven careers. <laughs> Everyone goes away. Right. Yeah. And and I'm saying John Gabers because he stands out because he was amazing. He wasn't yeah. like the most offensive, but I was like, the crowd knows they're making it up, and therefore it's okay. Well, oh God, you know what I, I watched uh, recently was um, that's entertainment, which is this compilation of all the great MGM musicals. Mm. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I mean, sometimes <laughs> let, let me tell you, <laughs> tell me the the. You know, because because what it is, it's 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 a it's a formula, right? It's a math formula. You're going okay. This took place in the 30s. You're looking at Mickey Rooney. He's five foot three. He's smiling, having the time of his life. Uh, it's deeply offensive. So you're doing the math. You put it together. You're watching this image, and I'm fucking crying, laughing. I am crying, laughing at how crazy this image is yeah, of the absurdity. Mickey Rooney. In complete blackface, with forty chorus girls in complete blackface, like fifty men in tuxedos in complete blackface, just all like doing this. And it is the comedy of the absurd. Fucking so happy, and you're like, oh, oh, oh my god! But I'll tell you, I, I tell you what's crazy. So I'm watching that's entertainment, and there's a few of those things right in there where you're like, oh wow. But I was doing this um, podcast recently with comedians who were watching clips of stand-up comedy and some of these clips are 10 years old 10 years old and we're watching this going ooh, like we're professional stand-up we have the we we are going to give you more grace than anybody and even we were like oh that's yeah you yeah you can't do that anymore right i'm gonna uh, i'm not virtue signaling as they say but usually when i go to the improv if i if i get there a little early and i watch the people before me yep i'm pretty sensitive right meaning i'll go what is the message just beneath this right is it you should be able to punch women you know what i mean like is it something right, right. like that and it's it's i have this joke where i go like it's fun to see everybody being so offended i grew up christian i was offended by the song opp like you, right. I remember you guys all loving opp and i was like <laughs> i am not down with opp <laughs> like meaning that sensitivity, and, and to, I never would have guessed that the culture would have caught up to a religious. And I'm not judging sure. or labeling it. I'm just saying, like, you, now they're right there with me because I used to. My memory was always being at the comedy cafe in Milwaukee, and the guy's closer was getting a bachelorette up on stage mm-hmm. and miming sex acts, right, for photos. Um, because like she's getting married and like don't sure. show your husband this one sweetheart right and the sound of the laughter was i've never heard a joke get that right. level of it's almost like a scream of like piercing laugh yeah. cut to me in the back just like horrified right like this is not okay i never would have guessed that everybody would have come to my side yeah i think because that- the sound they were making they seemed to like their side <laughs> I think that there's, you know, uh, look, I think entertainment is so fractured these days. And to, to go back, at least when, like, when your show was on, 
and, and especially when the talk show was like entertainment was still communal. Like even if someone ten years ago had not seen the Pete Holmes show, they've heard of it. Mm. But nowadays there are shows I've never even heard of. Right, so yeah. nothing's nothing's communal. Sports is communal. A world event is communal. News is not communal because mm-hmm. um, everything's fractured and people have picked their sides. And so I think via entertainment, as entertainers, I think you're just looking for your piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And once you find your piece of the pie, you have as much fun and mine it and nurture it and entertain that piece of pie. Hopefully you can branch out and, you know, Kevin Hart it and mm-hmm. do what you can. But I think that even stand-up comedy now is so fractured. Before, there was like an alt scene, there was the broad blue-collar shit, and then there was stand-up comedy. And now it's just like, there's a million different variations of it. And so even when you're discussing things that you may be horrified about, like this this is an example of something that's like a crowd work bit, but it's actually a bit. And I've been toying with because diversity to me I find very fascinating as someone who's like mixed and I I worked so hard on this new hour and I I really kind of take a deep dive with it but I've been toying with this thing on stage recently where I find a black guy in the crowd right Mm-hmm. I go, hey, hey, black guy, how are you? And I, I, I go, black guy. He's, he's black. Everybody is black, and you get some laughs, whatever. And I go, sir, I'm just joking. What, what's your name? And he tell you know, it's Ricky. Okay, hey, this is Ricky. This is my black man, Ricky. You know, that's it. So I, I set it up right. Then I find usually a older white guy, hopefully in his forties or fifties, because I know what to do here. So I so I go over this guy. I go, sir, what's your name? He's like, oh, I'm Jason. It's good to see you, Jason. Jason, I see your cell phone there. Jason, just curious, how many contacts would you say on your cell phone? Just rough estimate. Usually the answer is like 150, 200. Okay, 150, 200. Of those 150, 200, how many black friends would you say are on your cell phone? I go, Ricky, feel free to look over here, Jason, at two. And and then other crowds looking, and we're all making, and I'm going, Jason, look at me. Don't fucking look around. Don't look around the room. Look at me. Look at me. We're just two fellas at at, at Tilted's Kilt. What is that number? And it's always low, right? It's always low. It's like uh, five. I go, oh, five. Jesus Christ. I go, Ricky. What do the streets say? And Ricky's like, I find this incredible. I got, let me take over. You white racist piece of shit, Jason. You are a white racist piece of shit. The crowd's laughing. I I make a thing out of it. I go, he doesn't like your people. He doesn't like your food. Doesn't like when you guys celebrate touchdowns. Just so I don't want to do a bit, but I'm doing this bit right now for a point. Okay, so so I'm. I'm shitting on this white guy, right? I'm making Ricky feel great. I'm getting the crowd to vilify, and I'm winking at, at the white guy the whole time. It's just a joke. It's fun, right? So I do that. Bit dies down. I let it sizzle, as Michael Jackson would say. Let it sizzle. And now I go over back to Ricky, and I'm like, let's move on. I want to have a great time tonight, everybody. Ricky, my apologies. My apologies. I'm sorry you, you, you saw that, but let's move on. Let's have a great time, ladies and gentlemen. Pity, clap, you know, yay, okay, good. Then I go over to Ricky. I go, Ricky, and you get a little laugh here because <laughs> the crowd's going, what's, what's happening here? I, I go, Ricky, let's move on. just curious, how many Asian friends do you have in your cell phone? That... And the number is always none. It's wow. either one or two or none. I go, you black racist piece of shit. Wow. And now everything I was saying to him, I'm saying to him. And so to me, as someone who, like, uh, I watch it all. I understand it. I totally get it. I think diversity, what it really should be in Hollywood is opportunity. It shouldn't be, let's jam this person in for the sake of jamming him in. Let's give individuals of different stripes and colors opportunity to tell their stories instead of, Oh, let's 
let's make the judge black in this procedural. Mm. Uh, let's let's make the chief black. It's like, why are you just jamming somebody in just to jam them in? Like, why can't you give that individual the opportunity to tell a story as well? So I think diversity is the wrong word in Hollywood. I think it should be opportunity. And that's why when I shit on that guy, that I think that's what society thinks. It's like, I got, but it's like, well, there's no diversity there, too. So I don't know. To me, well, that, it's like I'm trying to toy with the notion of it and have fun with it in a tongue-in-cheek, you know, winking, yeah. and I buy the guy's shots or whatever throughout the show. But yeah. I do find He's it very fascinating. And you yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just, over. yeah, he Here was sober go, for Reggie. nine years, and now I fucking <laughs> oh, ruined it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Ruining lives. Everyone's watching me. A tear. Uh, you know what's interesting is there's a new thing that I've seen in Hollywood where people will be like, and diversity doesn't mean one black guy. Like, which, that that was white Hollywood's way out yeah. a lot of times. And I'm thinking of Alan Yang's, um, uh, I forget what they won, Golden Globe or something, where he was like, there's as many Asian people as there are Italian people, and he goes, where's our Sopranos sort of thing. Right. But there, there is a, a valid, obviously a valid point there, where but there's also going to be diversity has for a long time ratings one, and commerce, right? It, it, and you, look, you know, if, if this network, if this uh, conglomerate of investors via producer are going to invest in your project, well, they want to return because at right. the end of the day, this is not a soup kitchen. This town is not here to just placate people just to do it. It's like they're here to generate revenue. So when Scarlett Johansson is going to play a trans individual in a film and get shit on and railroaded and said this role should be given to a trans person it's like okay well you had a beautiful story from an accomplished actor that was going to um maybe bring this message to the masses via a a significant a-list movie star who at the end of the day based on metrics that all the agencies have they'll go if we put Scarlett Johansson in this movie at this budget our return will be xyz they have all these algorithms done and set and then there's this huge outcry from the community no she can't take it it should go to a transfer now the movie's not being made because mm-hmm. they're and, oh, that and really to me happened. it really happened and to me that's the travesty of the righteousness of it all like even in the heights when I saw Crazy Rich Asians come out, I was like, oh, that's great. It'll provide a lot of opportunity because it's successful. And I thought one of the most underserved communities in Hollywood is the Latinos. Uh, you just never see them in commercials or anything. It's just like they're, they're more Latin. They're 14, 15 percent of the population. Blacks are 13. So why are there not more of, of these folks being represented mm. in, in, in entertainment? And I saw In the Heights come out. I go, oh, this would be like Crazy Rich Asians for them. Now you start seeing more opportunities for them. This would be great. And then there weren't the right type of Latinos cast in that. There's this huge outcry. Lin-Manuel Miranda has got to publicly apologize because he wasn't keeping his eye on that. It's like, why are you making this guy apologize? The guy that that did Hamilton has Mm. got to apologize. Like, for what? Mm. Do you know how many balls he's juggling while he's trying to get this damn film done? And so there was such a stink about that film. It comes out. Nobody goes and seen it because of the outcry of it all. And it it completely, I think, dampened any electricity or momentum towards that community for people to invest in their opportunities mm. and, and their stories. And I think that the righteousness, sometimes that pendulum, it just swings way too far for me. Mm. 
And I just think, you know, guys, where at, at the sacrifice of what? At the sacrifice of what sometimes, I think, when I read about the things that go on in this town in particular. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to go off a, on a soapbox here, but I think that I... Th- you know, I think that there are times where it's just like, let's, can we, can we just, can we just, what are we really trying to accomplish here, you know? Mm. Because I think with political correctness, we'll cancel, like, no one knows what the rules are. There's no stipulation of rules or boundaries. So when it's overstepped, there's absolute condemnation on people that I believe are actually well-intended mm-hmm. in trying to do something good in getting stories out and... That trans thing with Scarlet, the thing within the Heights, it's like, those are well-intended stories. Mm. And why? Why ruin those? I, I What I'm hearing, I didn't know about either of those stories because, I don't know, I'm just over here eating sandwiches, I guess. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, 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 it, they're very interesting. There is an element of like, we, the, the I don't want to say woke in a bad way, but the people that are trying to evolve... Mm-hmm. Also, there's a part of a, there's a part of this group that will eat itself. And yes. if there is, and I, I'm not saying there absolutely is, but let's just say there is an evil agenda of like let's keep things white, let's keep things like status quo. Sure, we don't like change. Uh, the best strategy is to just be like, we'll just let them uh, stop yeah. themselves, sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what the solution is, though. You know? I don't either. I, I really don't. I I think that. At the end of the day, a great story will trump everything. A great story that is impactful, that is resonant with every individual. I mean, that's why the cause. Look, I, I don't want to zip a dip, a flip a dip. It's been a while since I've been able to say zip a dip, a flip a dip. I used to have a bit. <laughs> this is what Cosby used to be. I would just do a bit called filthy cosby where i would just say filthy things as bill cosby because before the truth came out it was just the juxtaposition of like america's dad being like rudy get over and shut the fuck up like people loved it and now it's like so zip a dip a flip i'm ready ready to zip a dip this but he was a family it was a it was a family sitcom and i don't ever really remember too many episodes where they they focused on race, right? Was just about race. It was like, oh, it's just an everyday family. And I think well, that was so that resonant. Message. Yeah, it, it was just that. like, oh, we're just like every other family. Right. And I, I think that's why it resonated. And look, at the time, of course, he's he had so much pull and gravity and charisma and all that other yeah. stuff. It's what you want in a performer. But um, and putting pops in Kodak film and Coca Cola. Well, not, I we mean, know. if you're going to open up. <laughs> If we're going to pretend it's 1998 and we're talking about Bill oh Cosby, God. can I please just be like, I'm going to go the pudding pops. Like this, it's one of those few areas that is hack. Like saying Kodak film pudding pops is hack. And yet, it's still, it got us going. You will get me every It's very time. funny. But you you'd get, get audiences time. too if you just be like, no comic is in the back going, he's doing zip it to dip Like you're just like, yeah, yes. like, you loved it. It was the yes. best. So I'm on board. I look, I I'm totally on board. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that about I don't with the Asian commune. Right. Um and people think it's like it's one I, even that it's fractured. 
What uh, is the uh, Asian community? Yeah, it's not as homogenous. People like even LGBTQ, they think that it, it's just it, oh, it's just one, it's just one club, right? It's right. one tent. It's like right. no, there's there's factions that, that have friction I think as each well. Each one of them is a, a faction. Too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and you know what I find fascinating about like Asian hate and all that. Like this is something I would uh, you know I wouldn't do a bit about it or whatever. But I find this fascinating is that every time you read about it and you hear about the metrics of where who's doing it and because everything is so you got to point a finger well who's to blame for this right mm. and it's always like well trump's rhetoric did this all and then there's only one race mentioned in those articles and i i i read a lot of them right asian hate you know it's some it's always an asian grandma getting her ass kicked walking around in oakland san francisco chicago or new york and I don't see it happen in Texas. I don't see it happen in Iowa. And if you look at the pictures of the individual that is beating the shit out of like an Asian grandma, it's usually one race. But I think it's gotten to the point where you can mention the Asian getting their ass kicked, but you can't mention the race that's predominantly perpetrating this. And again, I'm not even saying who it is. It's just like... To it's talk right about the, the tension, you, you want to address the tension. Like, there seems to be a problem between these. And I, this is news to me, by the way. Yeah. But you, you're saying, look, there seems to be a tension between these two groups, and that needs to be addressed. In the inner city, so I don't think it's like, look, there's a lot you can blame Trump for, for sure. But when you're going back and going, well, is Trump's rhetoric that's causing this Asian hate with gag flow? And now you have people in the inner cities, I guess. I was like, oh, do this many black people vote for Trump? Like... Uh, that's to me, it, I, I find it. You mean it's a scapegoat? I find it's a scapegoat because they're saying an Asian got their ass kicked, but that's the only race mentioned in the whole article. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I, I don't know. To me, it's like a, another pendulum swing of like racial tension and race being so predominantly uncomfortable in this country that you can't acknowledge. You're acknowledging fifty percent of the facts as opposed to one hundred percent of the facts. I'm not saying that it's always the case, but when it is the case, just call the case for what the case is, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when there's a high school shooting or a mass shooting, it, you know, you instantly assume nowadays, right? Before it was like, oh my God, this is horrible. But now my knee-jerk reaction is, what race is it? Mm. Was it a white guy? And then this is going to get, this is going to fuel into gun control issues and tethered to the white and the Trumpism and all this other stuff. And I, I just like, it, it's to me, it's fucking sickening. It's sickening. I just want objectivity. I just want the facts. I don't want rhetoric. I don't want like... Wait, what is sick? Are you saying it's sickening that you, when there's a tragedy, you go, what race are they? That you resent that that's been conditioned into you? Yeah. I, I really don't like it because I think it's it's causing more divisiveness in our well, country. Back to me saying when you were like, who here listens to hip hop? What's funny about that joke mm-hmm. is that that's how our brains work. And yeah. our brains, it's very dangerous to think dualistically, to think in a, in a binary way. And sure. like, a, like when you see this person, they're probably this way. Yes. I mean, how many, I, I make this point a million times, but how many movies like uh, Green Book, like we don't have time for you to go on a road trip with every minority. <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I can't go on a... I can uh, in a, in a small way because of the podcast, I get to have conversations with different types of people and that's a great privilege. Sure. But most people, and by the way, that doesn't mean I've been converted in deep in my marrow on every single possible issue. Right. I'm just saying most people do need to go on a, a six month road trip with a black man, maybe to be like, 
hey, wait a minute. You eat the three square meals a day, pal? <laughs> he's got the breakfast. He's got the lunch. He even calls it dinner. I didn't hear him say supper once. He's just like us. We're Italian buddies. One of us. Oh, my God. He likes noodles, too. He calls them noodles. I call them spaghetti. I put it where the big rag go. I like to do it. <laughs> That's fucking catchy. But we don't, that wasn't bad. That was good, dude. <laughs> we, I'm really proud of you. We, I was like, what? we don't have time to this. for everybody to do that. Yeah. So what ends up happening, I think because I'm not, it's not to give anybody an excuse. People are like tired, worn down. Yeah. There's the world is overwhelming. There's too much information coming in. So you look for the comfort of not, I don't mean comfort as a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean you you uh, succumb to the temptation to become just a uh, preconditioned response machine. You're no longer yeah. thinking. You're no longer doing what is beautiful about being human, which is a certain spaciousness yes. and openness and and a uh, I would call it contemplative, like a, a panoramic view postponing any judgment that's mm-hmm. that's the highest those are our better angels is when you can look without judgment and turn your brain off for a while but we're so tired we yes. just go like and you know the go-to example is asian guy can't drive that is the go-to right on stage off stage people are always if they want an example they go you know and he was asian so you yeah. know look yeah. out like that's like one of the weird racist things that's still lingering yeah in 2021 small dick small dick that, i think small dick by the, the way small big dick, small dick and big dick in any group yeah is also lingering yeah that's still happening yeah like if you want to be like pete believe me i know <laughs> I drop, good old travel I size burn no but i it, it is fun something size? fun size. <laughs> travel size burn wait you have the irish curse end oh it's a it's you a got it coming whammy. and going double whammy but I, I've literally. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's just because we're friends. If you got a big one, I love you, Steve. If you got a medium one, I love you, Steve. We'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> don't don't do the third. No. Don't finish the triplet. <laughs> but I I've literally you know in, in doing crowd work, even like just talking to girls, whatever, and just like you know who have you dated, just kind of going there. And anytime I say Asian. Like, I'd say three times out of ten, they go, oh, small dick. And they just say it out. And I'm like, you know I'm Asian? Like, you just said that to oh. me. But, like, to me, I'm not offended at any of those stereotypes. Because, look, again, after being at the cellar for even just, even after six months, it's just like, you're so numb to any of that shit. It's just like, well, it's, it's easy. I mean, I've been called Lego head hair. It's like, that's, yeah. you know, that's hair. a very creative yeah, deep cut sting that all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I got to make sure I get and my if hair. If it was a Lego it. penis, it would be the one dot piece. <laughs> Where's the one dot? I have to get the three to stack them up, and it's like, nah, you stacked. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. I'm making fun of your deck. <laughs> but I like. I, I don't know. I, I agree with you to get to that higher plane of of not having. Of not having preconceived notions and snap judgments. Well, that's what most of of our brains is doing. It's just going around. What have I already seen and how am I seeing it again? And that's what your brain is doing most of the time if you don't wake the fuck up. But like like Tiger Moms, for example, right? Is that, you know, is that a stereotype, right? And then like even talking to friends of mine, all my relatives, it's like, it's a stereotype, but it's like, well, there is something factual about that. You know, there is some 
truth grounded in certain stereotypes. Now, I know you you shouldn't do it. It's you know, it's. I think what's hack now is like imitating your Korean mom or Asian mom or whatever. It's like, oh, that's a fucking hack. It's an easy way to get joke. But it's like, but it's also an easy way to do a voice that white people think is funny. I mean, this is something that we talk about all the time. It's like, yeah, as a as a non, even saying when I went to Africa, they were like, don't call anyone non-white. That's actually the worst thing you can say. And I, but I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying as a non-white guy. And you do so. What is the acceptable? Just curious. You say black. You say okay, but non-white for something. It's something to do with a. Uh, Were they trying to be respectful and then and course correct, and then that in turn was more offensive? So like, no, just call us the other. I thing. think when you say non-white, it's saying white is the standard, and that's offensive. Oh, so you're okay. like, and you're non-white, and it's like, okay, so white's in, and I'm non-white. Well, I'll tell you something funny. When I I, I was watching CNN the last election and they were breaking down by demographics who was going to vote for who or like whatever and no they were they were breaking down the racial demographics of our country mm. and whites was like you know 68% latinos was like 14% and then blacks was 13% and i'm waiting to see where asian Great. something else was 6% yeah. And then Asians were three percent. What like, if it just said something else? Six. <laughs> we uh, we don't know. We don't have the data, but it's something else. <laughs> well, One of these weird ones. They should have just put something else, <laughs> and then Asians are three percent. But I was like, something else is six percent. That's more. Like, yeah. what is something else? And I assume it's probably people. Wait, it like was me. something else. It was something else. It, it was didn't. A, it it didn't was a genuine s- bar graph. Oh, like, I, my riff was what it was. It said oh, yeah. something else. It, it generally said. I something thought else you couldn't remember that it was Haitian or that it was. No, it said something else. It was something else. Yeah, I'll, you I'll, got beat out by something else. <laughs> yes, yes. So Democrats or Republicans are going to be courting the all important something else vote, I believe, in the next election. But I'll I'll, I'll send you the screen cap. It's it was something so, else. It was so crazy to me. But I was like, that's where we're kind of at now. We got it. We got it. Something else. <laughs> Something else. That's Katie it. just showed it to me. Something else. Six percent. Asians at three percent. Yeah. <laughs> How could it be something else? I don't know. That's what it is. <laughs> what should we call it? Something else. Potpourri. You're fired. <laughs> You're fucking fired. Dominican. It can't be something else. It's something else. Jewish? I looked at Katie. Is that crazy? That is crazy. Do you watch the news? No. I'm it's also off the probably social. Probably the healthiest smart to. I'm off the social. You too. are. Re- recent. That's why I want to bring it up. You were talking about like my page is like posting dates and stuff and yeah. promoting like when this comes out. She'll smart. tweet. But I, it's been one of the greatest, I'm saying as a performer, this is why yeah. I'm saying it to you, not just like, it is really tempting, like when you're reading a book, mm-hmm. you want to tell everyone you're reading a book. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll completely concede, I love telling people I work out now, and I love telling people that I've been off social media mm-hmm. and plan to stay off. Um, but my anxiety is way lower. Right. Because why? You ever... You ever been on the road? I don't want to say a state and put down a state. Sure. And you're just in like the Walmart, to quote Jim Gaffigan, or as they call it, the mall. <laughs> That's his joke. Yeah. And you're just walking around and you just hear somebody. Right. And there's stupid people everywhere. Sure. And you just hear somebody. And man, is this person a bag of rocks. Right. Like they are the divine and they are worthy of love. Right. And Jesus Christ, you are just 
shit going through a kazoo right now. <laughs> Someone is blowing shit. That is a great term. Through a kazoo. I've never heard that I before. I looked for it. I looked for a new way to say stupid, and it was like, shit going through a kazoo. Dude, that's fucking great. <laughs> Just shit coming out and kind of a musical note. And you're like... Here he is, and in real life, I can sort of dismiss him. He's Let's right. say he's just talking about how my favorite movie is the worst movie ever made. I, I'm just overhearing him in line. Right. But immediately, I just go like, this guy's shit kazoo. I, I, who cares? But if that same guy tweets at me like, you suck, I, right. it hits me as if Bill Nye the Science Guy was like, you suck. <laughs> like, right, yeah. It? And so like when something is released, when something comes out, I did a set last night, and I was like, I'm that was the first one of the first times I was like I'm sort of tempted to look at social I'm not really tempted but I was mm-hmm. like I feel the impulse right. because you want to continue like what we do is we put something out and we get something back sure. and then you get off stage and your brain's like more 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 yes and I I have to say it's been really nice to yeah. just go like if you don't look mm-hmm. it's not happening right somebody exactly, did yeah. tweet today you look like Hillary Swank in a wig. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I feel like I have Hillary Swank's Well, mouth. I've been called Asian Elon Musk, Asian <gasps> Kevin Spacey. Oh, uh, I see both Asian of these. Seth MacFarlane. Um, and those were the nicer ones. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And why are we opening our window to the crowded street and putting your head out? Yeah. It's a glory hole. I'm not trying to be shocking. I'm saying it's yeah. a glory hole. You sometimes put your head through. You put your head through it. You yeah. put your head through that glory hole, and someone goes, "Steve Byrne is the fan fucking tastic comedian I've ever sure. seen." Sometimes you put it through, and someone has a golf club, and they just hit you in the face. Why? Who's the idiot? Right, yeah. It's well, you. I find it fascinating because you are not divisive. You are not someone who's staking your claim to stoke the fire at all. Right. I think your intention is to go out and put something funny Fun and humorous out there. Yeah. Uh, and for you to feel that way, I'm like, wow. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know how certain individuals that really fan the flames on yeah. purpose do that. And right. there, there's times where I see some people combating other people with a differing opinion. I go, man, you're just, why would you want to fight the ocean? Like, why would you want to, you're well, never going to It's a really win. good question, but then why are you fighting the ocean? And yeah. and why am I, when I was, why was I scrolling and sort of kind of looking for a bad one? Looking for, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, I'd love to hear your take. My take, people have heard it a million times, is I think your ego, meaning your constructed sense of self, right, would rather be offended, upset, defensive, then not exist. So we, given the choice between calm, still lake of nothingness, right. which is a learned preference of mine, mm-hmm. or fuck you, Steve, you'll take fuck you, Steve, because at least Steve is right. what has its feelings hurt. Huh. Well, I, I, I never thought of it that way. I find that very interesting, and it sounds like you've done a lot of great work to get to a much elevated place. Well, that's very nice. Um, for me, what if I was like, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my father. This guy wears hats just like me. He wears underpants just like me. He likes pizza pie just like me. Green Green Book the musical. He puts on two shoes just like me. He puts on socks first just like me. We look down, the Italian guy is wearing socks over his shoes. Whoops, not today. 
I made a mistake. My socks went on second. My socks went on after my shoes. That's why I got the Italian blows. Curtain goes down. Curtain sort of hits him. It folds over him. We, we camera pans to the audience. It's empty. It's an a. He's been doing it for no one. Ugh. You don't have to do it tonight, Vigo. Vigo. Vito. What is his name? Vito. More. Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Vigo Mortensen. Oh, he just God. like me. <laughs> he like you know what? We Have both you done this? chew our food. Have no, you done? No, dude, you got to do it. It's pretty fucking. Great. He's just like me. <laughs> I noticed that he breathes out his mouth sometimes, just like me, <laughs> and just like Ma. Cuts to Ma. <gasps> <gasps> He likes movies and music and his mama, too. <laughs> you got it. That's great, dude. No, it's just for us. Oh, just for us. You got to do that. Patreon.com slash. I'm just kidding. There's no Patreon. <laughs> You're fine. I mean, if oh, there was. Oh, so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. To, to your point. I just interrupted with that for no My reason. My father, years ago, mm. um, he came to a show at Dangerfields, and and we're, we're, we're standing at the edge. Because people... that's where you want your dad to see you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> dad, you want to you wanna see my... You know, you want to hey, see dad, my comedy career die tonight? You want to worry about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to confirm every warning you gave me? Yes. Yeah, come to Dangerfields. Come to the club where you get no respect. That's <laughs> literally what it is. It's like it delivered. <laughs> well, these people are walking out, tapping on the shoulders. You know, we're standing by the doorway. A great check, great check, great check. And there's one woman said to me, she goes, she goes, I know you're trying real hard, but I, I just didn't like your set. And I was like, I know you oh, were trying really okay. hard. And it's worse. The effort was clear. Yeah. And the fail was still. <laughs> it was a still fail. It stung. Because what yeah, you know, at, at a young as a young comic, you're like, oh Steve, that, that hurts gonna... my feelings. <laughs> but my father said, so you can take 15 compliments, you can't take the the one, do you think everybody liked you? Wow, what a tiger, Dan. And I was like... That was a joke. I was like... <laughs> but I was like, he's probably right. And so when I was... I don't know. My analogy is that there's always a bathroom tile missing, right? So am I going to sit there and just fucking hone in? There's a, a bunch of other tiles that... As soon as I get out of the shower, it's there. Oh, this is They're sort under my of feet. your... This is your, sort of your um, Scarlet Joe point. Yeah, I, like I maybe there's a there's a, a tie, maybe it's not perfect, but let we could focus on. Yeah, that, why I'm, I'm why focus on the one thing that's not right? You know, it's supposed to the twelve hundred other tiles that are there that are servicing. Yeah, that I'm peeing on and just I'm pissing on, pissing on it. And, and my black friend does too. He piss. He pisses on he it just pisses. like me. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you shit. He shits just like me. <laughs> Wet wipes? He doesn't use it wet wipes. It starts getting crazy. He's not like me. <laughs> Holmes and burn. And then he gets into weird sex stuff where he's like, you can only come if counting how many hairs she has on her ass. Just like me. And he's like, no. No, no, you know, like guys, you got to count the tiny little peach fuzz hairs. And that's the only way you can come. No. No, not like you. I'm saying just like me. Do you say it comes to Alfredo sauce just like me? No, you don't. You don't? Uh, he's not like me. <laughs> you say comes Alfredo sauce? I don't know. I just, just want to make sure I'm laughing at the right thing. <laughs> just want to make sure I'm laughing at the right thing. What were we saying before Alfredo sauce? 
Uh, you were oh your t- bathroom towel. I, I've said this a million, but I'm going to say it to you, and I'm going to say it quick. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, some psychology here. Is that a negative thing? Right. Uh, sticks like they say it's Velcro Teflon. Mm-hmm. So I say Steve, you're the best. Uh, that's Teflon slides right off. Right. And if I say Steve, you really suck. That that sticks like Velcro. It's right. effortless. It's just how the human brain works. So your dad's point is valid. Yeah. But it actually to you didn't get fifteen compliments and one insult. Right. You got fifteen slippery sunny side up eggs sliding off a perfect pan. Right. Off a made in pan. Maiden.com slash weird. It's a great pan. Right. <laughs> and you got one insult that's gonna stick with you for how many decades ago was that? So the trick is if mm. somebody says you're great. I think it's a minimum of 15 to 30 seconds that you have to sit with it and really own and visualize and embody that it means something that somebody really thinks you're great. Otherwise, it slides right off. Huh. So give me your dad's phone. Okay. Give me your phone. (laughs) And by the way, how many Lithuanians you got in that fucking phone? (laughs) I got one for you, Steve. Guess what? There's different kinds of white, and you're not doing it right. There's Lithuanian here, and there's Baltic over there. Okay, I'm just singing because you like it, and it makes me laugh. Fucking great, you're laughing. In any writer's room I've ever been in, uh, there's always this: the musical. There was Joe DeRosa, the musical. Oh God, my Joe DeRosa, just because you like it. He he's so sweet, and he would he can be he can be yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Real Joe, I think, is very sweet. Yes, and and he would. Whenever he would uh, get a joke, and like we're trying to get a joke, and that'll end the day, Joe would get it, he'd score. And then the Joe DeRosa, the musical, was him holding a cardboard red car. Right. Like, like one of the, like, you know, like cardboard stars hanging on rope, and he's walking across the street, uh, the stage, pretending to drive this car. And the song was, <laughs> I did my job. <laughs> I was God today. I deserve a smoke. I deserve a poke. It was like that sort of thing. And we had so many Joe DeRosa the musicals. That's great. Oh, and then we made him that car. That was my gift. Did to you him. really? We had the prop department at Carl oh, make him great. a car. Joey Roses. Joey Roses. Joey Roses. He's got a sandwich thing going now, too. Yeah, the hard eight. He, he sent me a script called Bunny. So will you take a look at this thing? Horror? Yeah. And I know, you know, your friends send you stuff and, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, I'll read this thing. It was fucking great. Really? It, I believe it. It's it. fucking great. It's one of the best things I've, I've read that my friends have sent me. I'm like, this has got to be made. Yeah. I, I call them every, every two or three months. I'm like, what's going on with that thing? It's so... Is this recently? He finished it, I believe... During COVID, and I saw him in New York. That's great. So it's not like it, it's pretty fresh, but yeah. he's—I think he's getting it going or whatever. But man, it's—he is so goddamn talented. He's yeah. a great. I saw him at the stand again. One of those guys where I guess not an industry darling, right? And maybe getting a little long in the tooth by the industry standards. But you see somebody that's put the time in. I think it's so funny that you tried to put it gently by saying long in the tooth instead of like getting older. A little older. But it seemed worse because you're like, he might be a bit gnarled. (laughs) He might be like a long tooth Nosferatu. You know, he's up in an attic somewhere writing horror scripts. He's bald. He's covered in a fine powder. He's got the long fingernails. He 
he's got a boil. He's yeah. always lancing it in front of the industry. They don't like that. Is scoliosis kicking in now? You know, he's, yeah. guys, he's three years away from Centrum Silver, but you know, he's he's still. He great. looks like uh, used bagpipes. <laughs> He looks like someone discarded some bagpipes in the corner. Did someone drop off some bagpipes or is that Jonah Rosa? And we laugh and we laugh and we're back in in 2004. Oh my God, a bag... Used bagpipes are on stage right now. But man, he he crushed it. He's a crusher. He's so fucking We auditioned for Stand Up New York the same night. Did you really? He got it, I didn't. um, Really? I I had a lot to learn. You know, Joe's been... He's been doing it longer than I have. I guess that's maybe that's defensive, but he did really well that night. And he had a bit about punked. Right. And he was like, why is everybody, why is everybody giving these people a hard time? Oh, you were pranked. You were punked. It's like, yeah, I saw a pterodactyl. <laughs> like the point where they had like huge budgets. Right. Oops. And they, oh no, there's Joey Rose's. There we go. He's calling. Ooh, from Turn the park. From the park. From the park. Let, let me put on silent after. That, that's oh, that's no, how that, you know that, nobody's calling me. We've we've talked for uh, over ninety minutes, <laughs> yeah, and nobody's called me. And Gary, Gary Cannon, Cannon. Who's Gary probably Cannon? for work. Who's that? Uh, audience warm up. He oh did yeah, Conan for yeah, years. yeah. No, I know Gary Cannon. I did Conan. I think five years. Yeah, think, yeah. Right after uh, Jimmy, always laying down on the side of uh, pirate ships. He's long black metal. You got the balls in them that shoot out with a boom. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Gary Cannon. Yeah, like th- that. That should be his website. Somebody should yeah. draw that for him. Yeah. I, uh, I'm made of metal. I lay down on the side of pirate ships. I'm rotund I'm like rotund. a ball. <laughs> I know Gary. I Gary. should get shot of a cannon. Um, have you ever seen a ghost? Do Asian people ever see seen ghosts? Ghost? See, uh, that's how the brain works. Korean water ghosts? Is that a thing? Yeah. I don't care for that. <laughs> like right away. I'm just saying Asian horror yeah. has a special, uh, if it's Korean, Chinese, it doesn't matter. Do, do you believe in ghosts? I mean, have you seen a ghost? I haven't seen a ghost. My Mine is that my when I go home, so mm-hmm. I'm going home pretty soon for my mom's 80th, and I am sleeping at the house because I'm not bringing my wife and kid. That's a good bad. Is it haunted? Uh, by my dead cat. So... Uh, Does that count though? I mean, that's can what you I'm get saying. scared at a. Oh no, it's not or? scary. It's pretty adorable. Look, if a ghost is purring, let me tell you, folks. <laughs> if you hear a ghost purr, you weren't. It wasn't a poltergeist, okay? That was a furry friend saying hello from beyond the grave. That's the tenth life we call it. Yeah. That. That's the, the tenth, tenth life. life. Yeah, the tenth life. Yeah, coming up to snuggle. If a ghost is snuggling you. You might be a redneck. <laughs> you might be, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I feel my my cat jump up on the bed and, and sleep, and really? I'll, I'll probably feel it again when I go home. That's crazy. Interested, but I've never seen a ghost. But I've had a lot of great ghost stories on this podcast. Well, I'll tell you this: my uh, Korean water ghost. My, my my uncle when he passed, um, on the mantle place in in New York City, he had he had a like a fairly family heirloom, a, a clock that you had to wind yeah. every 24 hours or whatever. And they'd wind it. And um, his girlfriend was living at the time and she woke up from a nap. She went to wind the clock, the clock, it, it the, the spring snapped and the time stayed at like three Oh seven. And uh, my uncle had passed away that day. And she, when she went to the hospital and um, when she got home, she realized the time that he passed is the time that stayed on the clock when she went to oh, wow. wind it. So 
I thought that was pretty wild, but when I was in high school... Was it a.m. or p.m., though? (laughs) That'll make that... It was 12 hours off, I don't believe it now. Yeah, it was 12. It was right when he died. 12 hours later. Central or Eastern? (laughs) Yeah. What time zone he croaking? (laughs) Because that's wrong, sweetie. The guy that wants to ruin the magic. Yeah. What time zone? What time zone he croaking? I had a friend when I was in high school... This is this was one of those pivotal things that made me realize when I was a kid, like, don't ever take life for granted. That's why I always say goodbye to people. I know it sounds stupid, this but anytime I go to a party, where I, good seeing you guys. I always make this sure to say goodbye. Irish. To That's my dad. My dad is always. I'll be like, see you late. See you next time, Daddy. Goes. We don't know that. I'm like, okay. Try to, I try to He's be like 41. We <laughs> don't know that. I'm like, Dad, I'm 10. Yeah, <laughs> but. She, my good friend in high school, uh, Mindy Reitmeyer, passed away in a car accident. And her mother, who it was like one of those homes I used to go to in high school and just hang out at. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be at my house because mom and dad are not fuck cool. They don't get it. You don't get me. I hung out with the Reitmeyers and Mrs. Reitmeyer was starting to um, find these... um, uh, what do you what do what do you call the people that that can communicate with the dead? The uh, what is it? Medium? A medium. That's right. Yeah, a medium. So she had discovered this medium that um you have to make an appointment with whatever. And this medium, they don't want to know anything about you, but they ask you questions, and there's a certain way that they're to be answered. Um, and so she, you can audio record it. So she made this uh. She met with this medium and audio recorded it. And because uh, at the time, like in her house, lights lights, lights were flickering. And you always hear that um, the dead communicate through electricity. Yeah. Or through- Con Ed hates a ghoul. They're fucking at it. Look at look at the fucking thing. It's we funny. got a guy coming out. <laughs> oh, God. We got, a, we got a ghoul breakout. The, the Wi-Fi keeps... Ghoul. <laughs> Jesus, dude. That's that's so fucking good. <laughs> God, I I'm jealous right now that you came up with that. That's, that's so only... fucking good. Oh, no. Con Ed hates a ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Peter. It's fucking awesome. Oh. I would buy that T-shirt. Conad hates a ghoul. Conad hates a ghoul. <laughs> Beautiful, buddy. I am fucking jealous. So she, she gets this, you know. So the lights would flicker, and she's like, "Oh, I, I Mindy's saying hello or whatever," you know. And as a seventeen-year-old kid, you're going, oh, "Okay, is this part of the grieving process?" Very skeptical, but you know, a mother searching for yeah. solace and. So she did this audio recording. She goes, I, I'd like you to come listen to it. And I, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, you know, open mind, go over, press this play. And via the medium, she's being told certain things about Mindy that are very, very particular, you know. And as you're going along, you're going, okay, what are the chances of that being coincidence and that being coincidence? And then there's a surplus of coincidences. So you're like, this is, I guess this is legit, you know? And towards the end of it, whenever I would go to the Reitmeyer's home, I would go with my friend James. 
James Yates. And James said I would go over all the time to hang out with Mindy or the parents or the sisters. And towards the very end of the recording, the medium said, oh, and she's saying, make sure James and Steve keep stopping by. And that, to me, was like, that's it. I'm I'm in. I, yeah. I believe yeah. I, I'm completely... Uh, Make I mean, sure James and Steve the fact keep that stopping by. Both our names were mentioned together. Wow. It was like, that's fucking crazy. I, yeah. yeah. I, and so... This guy swings in. Did you, uh, did you have a Facebook? They post on Facebook, me and James <laughs> going over to uh, the dead lady's house. You think you did a deep Google? <laughs> okay, Dan... But I, I, I do definitely, after that incident in particular, and I've heard a few things from like my dad's side that, that make me, I'm like, oh, that's kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think. But what, what about you? Do you think that there is... I, I saw that documentary on Netflix. It was like a docu-series about people experiencing life after death or what is out there. Mm. And a lot of the individuals, one of them was, a, uh, I, I believe, a practicing doctor, and she lost her son. And after this near-death experience, she she knew that there was more to life post this life. So mm. there's, I, I forget what it is, but the recurring theme was that a lot of these individuals felt solace and not not depression or a loss of hope or anything. They felt like, oh, there's more to life mm-hmm. post this life. Mm-hmm. So when somebody passed it, it almost kind of helped stymie the their amount of grieving, yeah. I guess. They they felt uh, a lot more comfortable in accepting death, knowing that there's something to yeah. come, I guess. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but... I mean, what a, what a big jar of pickles that one is. <laughs> Let me see if I can open it by tapping it twice with a spoon, just like me! <laughs> well, I, um, I had a... I did, like, a psychedelic um, recently... And um, can I ask what, what what kind of psychedelic? Well, I don't know. I I've been careful about not saying. Oh, sorry, what it is, sorry to the, ask. But no, it, pry, but, I, but I've never done any drugs. So when people say this, I I always wonder what what a, a the experience is like. It was and, Mountain Dew Code Red. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent JK. Uh, no, I don't have to be shy about it. It was it's called five meo okay. uh, DMT. But DMT, I don't like saying DMT. Because is this something prescribed? No. Okay. Unless you're a shaman. Because it sounded very uh No, medicinal. I was just today thinking about how funny it is that all, all of my friends that do psychedelics, like when we talk, we it sound sounds like, like a friend of C-3PO's or something. Exactly. But, okay, yeah. You say C-3PO's? <laughs> C-3PO's friend. Is there it is. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was kind of like a weird emphasis on the O. Edit that out. I'm joking. <laughs> I C- can't have any flaws. We used to have a t-shirt, C-3 Pete Holmes, but we got a cease and oh. desist so fast. No, really? I don't know how they found it. George Lucas doing image wow. searches. The tentacles are long on this oh, one. Oh, sure. And the beard okay. is right at the jawline. Or where <laughs> That's right. Be. Yeah. There it is. But then you see that weird gullet popping yep, out. Yep, there's a gullet. There's, kinda... a, there's a pelican yeah. kind of feel. Okay. It's where all the money's hidden. <laughs> yes. And the respect. Uh, so 5-MeO DMT. Oh, the bit was, it, it's so funny that it would be like, 5-MeO or NN-DMT? Dimethyltryptamine? Was it tryptamic? Was it a tryptamine or do- dopamine drug? Was it dopamine? Like, that, like people, not me, clearly. I sure. couldn't really riff it. But there's a lot of drug or psychedelic people that know a lot of chemistry terms. I certainly sure. know more than I ever thought I would. So anyway, 5-MeO is not a visual experience. It's like a... It's uh, it's 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 ineffable. It's really difficult to explain, but other psychedelics make you see things. Right. This is more like uh, 
like a like a death sort of experience like it 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 brings you out of your body these are all sort of metaphors okay and we're already at the two hour mark so i'm not going to give you the whole sure the whole spiel. i do find this fascinating yeah no it's it's literally the most interesting so it is an out of body experience yeah i well it goes like this like i i took one hit and you felt just very good like like a Sort of like an edible. Like Do you have edible. to be by yourself? Do you have to no, be in a this bedroom? was very ceremonial. You're not at Ralph's, obviously. But no, you're, no, no, no. This was so with a bunch of other people by a professional. Got it. There was a music music playing. There was a bed. All this stuff. It was okay. It was it was more like what you would think when people do ayahuasca. Like it was very uh, got it okay. sacramental. Sure. Or liturgical, or whatever you want to like say, like a quinceanera for white people. Like a quinceanera. There was a pinata. <laughs> I did have my hair up in two pigtails. <laughs> One side here, one side there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, the first hit just kind of got me high. And I right. remember thinking, I could hear my ego, the, the voice in my head being like, maybe this is enough. Just tell them that this that it worked and uh, right. and just come back. Now, are you, are you, you're not interacting, I assume. You're just No, you kind take of the like, head and you lie down. Got it, okay. And then uh, the guy administering it was like, uh, are you are you okay? And I was like, Yeah, I'm okay. I'm doing great. I felt fantastic. Right. And he was like, Oh, this is why I didn't want to talk about it because I don't want other people doing it. That's why. Got it. And so I will say here, um, don't go out and do this. This okay. was not just you, but everybody listening. I am not promoting this. Sure. I actually in my group mixed responses. Like this is not a party drug. Right. This is a very, very serious medicine. It's kind of, it's considered the strongest psychedelic. That's why I didn't want to talk about it specifically because I don't want people hearing it and being like, well, Pete did it. Yeah, right, right, Pete yeah. fasted for a month. Not, not no food, but was no spicy, no salt. Prior vegan, to? Uh, no, no shows, no social media. I mean, to say I was prepping for it as a spiritual journey is a complete and grotesque understatement. Is I, that what you're supposed to do before yes, you do it too, by the way? It's Just not, okay. it's not something you take in the back of a cab. First of all, you smoke it, but like, okay, I can't overstate. And it, I'll say this to people that want to do it. Right. If you watched everybody's trip, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> wow. If okay. you watch my trip, you might do it. And that's why I want to be very careful to be like, sure. It's a medicine okay. and it is not an escape. It is a harsh, uh, honest confrontation of what's going on inside of you. So, like, you need to treat it with the utmost respect. It's a way. F- so, just again, curious: is it a way to confront maybe inhibitions or or things deep in your subconscious that you don't know yeah, are there, and yeah. you want to? There you go. Okay. Well, literally on a neurological level, that's what it's doing. It's it's allowing your brain to form new connections. Okay. So that's one of the reasons I've been off social media is I'm going with the momentum of this experience. So I think it's Post, super. There's still. Yeah. Re- okay. I've also started Got flossing. It. I've also uh, I don't look at porn anymore. Right. I, there are all these. I don't drink coffee anymore mm-hmm. because you're, you you like have a new brain. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so for I'm like, the better. I'm yeah. For the better. Yeah. You can still do all the things. It's not like you're an idiot. <laughs> But you're are, are you hyper aware then of you, foils or quote unquote yes, foils? Is that's that, the right okay. question, Steve. That's really for someone who hasn't done it. That's very interesting. You can really see how your brain works as if you are a witnessing presence to your brain. Wow, so okay. 
one of the things I noticed is that like I can be very judgmental and I would see the judgment come in. Right. Like if I thought somebody was unsafe, what my brain will do was go, it would build a story to make it okay to distance myself from them. And I right. go, they're an idiot or they're a sex crazed lunatic or they're this. And it might not even be true, but I sure. noticed that I was doing all this like lying self-deception to keep myself isolated because I believe that being alone is being safe. So that's why I would really right. judge people to keep them away from me. Right. So that's like a little revelation from it. But anyway, the second hit was a, it's what they call in the psychedelic experience, an ego death, meaning okay. you go away. So <laughs> meaning the first hit, you're going like, wow, this is intense. And like, you can kind of hear your own thoughts. Right. And then the second hit, there was the feeling of uh, passing through a, a membrane like a like a birth canal it would be one way to describe it. Okay. To me, it felt more like a sphincter, like the one you have at the top of your throat, almost like being swallowed. Right. But it was like all of the energy of the universe went through me, behind me, and then back up, and it pulled me out of my shell like you would a lobster tail. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So who you really are, yeah. your, you, Christians would say soul, your Atman would be the Hindu word, your essence, your right. consciousness is taken out. Right. And Steve, or in my case, Pete-ness, was left behind like an empty shell. Mm -hmm. And then it's pulled through a membrane. And then where I was, I can't even picture it, but it basically looked like a khaki-colored um, sandstorm. That's not right. quite right, but that's pretty close. Right. If anybody smoked it, I think that's pretty close. It's like everything. And when I say my death anxiety went from pretty big to the size of a pebble, I, I can't believe I'm saying that to you. It's one of the greatest gifts of my life. Right. Because I went into a place that really felt like what it is when we die. Like it felt like where we go. Right. And all of the metaphors that we have for it, heaven or whatever you might say, are really fall short because it was everything. Right. And it was nothing. Mm -hmm. Here's a message from it. You are the void. Like when you're dying right. and you're afraid of the void, here's a word of comfort. Steve, you are the void. Right. And you're being pulled into yourself. Mm -hmm. So the biggest lesson I got from it was to trust death or to trust life is to trust yourself. Like the whole thing is your deepest DNA is divine. Right. So when you die... Steveness and all of that is absolutely well. It's I can't say it's absolutely gone because where it you merge into sure. is everything. But when you're there, the thought of looking for Steve is preposterous because there's no you to even go. I wonder if Steve is here. You right. just are being. You are one with all of being and everything right. that ever was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be is all there at the same time. And that has completely changed my view on death. <laughs> wow. Jeez, oh man. And even if my brain that goes, is... well, that was a drug, it doesn't matter because that experience was sandblasted into my bones because right. it was experiential. I'm saying it to you as a concept. It was sandblasted into me and has become part of my identity right. in the same way that I know I'm touching these things. It's like it, it was an impactful experience that it forever altered. Like a, like a car accident or something like that yeah. was so bah, I I can hear my brain going like, well, you smoked a drug. How do you know what death is? You're like, shh, yeah. you're not useful here. Right, right, yeah. The brain is never going to know. The brain huh. will never know. Yeah. But you know. You and know. And you actually already know. 
I'll tell you, I, I, if you ever want to get me a gift, get me a lobster, like a little lot. <laughs> like I love lobsters now. Yeah. I, I, first off, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Oh yeah. Uh, I love sharing it. I was in New Orleans recently and I, I bought a new camera and I was like, I, I want to learn photography. I want to learn how to take nice pictures. And I was in New Orleans to see my friend perform and I was like, I, I want to walk around the quarter and take pictures. So I was uh, on one of the sidewalks in the quarter and I was like, oh, what a beautiful storefront. So without thinking, because it's such a commuter kind of area, foot traffic and everything, I stepped off the sidewalk into the road. I got drilled by a truck. Oh no. Yeah, I hit by a truck and I went down and it's like I, it's like I, I got hit and then I got right back up. I got right back up. I didn't know I got hit, right? But I got right back up. And these kids that were playing the drums, like, you know, these young children were playing drums on, on plastic mm-hmm. buckets, whatever. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. And I got up and I was like, I feel okay. I, I'm okay. And then you look down and there's dead Steve on the ground. <laughs> like well, you look down and you're like, oh no. And then the khaki sandstorm comes yeah, then I'm Then I'm Swayze and Ghost. And we're like, oh, wait, wait, nobody. I got great hair though. What a waste. So then I, uh, I remember going home that day to my hotel and I, I definitely had a concussion. And I, the, the, the one wait, thing you, you shouldn't go do, to the doctor. I didn't go to the doctor because I felt fine. Like nothing was broken. But I definitely was ringing. My head was ringing, and you should never go to sleep. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta lie down. I, I just I in general took never go to sleep. Freddy Krueger's real. Don't go to sleep. <laughs> That's right. Just for real. <laughs> I don't know what you've been told, but don't go to sleep. Stay awake. But I, I, I basically, I remember coming out of it, going, "You think like you think? Oh God, like." Like somebody was in a horrific accident, or this happened, or whatever, and like, oh my god! As someone in the present, you go, oh my god, the pain and excruciation and all that other stuff that must happen. It's like, no, you, I would have never known it happened. Mm. Like I was, I was on a street, and then I, it could have gone lights out, and that would have been it. Mm-hmm. I, I would have never felt pain. I never would have felt anything if that mm-hmm. car was going a, quite a bit faster. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it was a geo. <laughs> It's a two-hour callback. <laughs> Just a huge dent right in the front. <laughs> yeah. A geo hit will really inconvenience <laughs> yeah. you for five minutes. More so them than you. But but <laughs> I for sure, I was, I, I don't know. It wasn't one of those pivotal things. It's not as deep or significant. But it certainly made me recalibrate my perception of death in the regard of the fact that that's how quick it could be. Right. And I never would have fucking known it. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, so again, just reaffirming what I've always had in my DNA and things my father has, has drilled into my head. Just appreciate and respect every second you have here because you never know when it's That's gone. Right. And that uh, that incident, again, was another one of those things where it's like, I'm going to squeeze my kids a little tighter, mm-hmm. even though it was a minor infraction. I, I'm sure if I saw like video replay, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal, but it stayed with me and haunted me and yeah. like kind of scared me for a little bit. But at the same time going, well, you know, maybe that's what it's like. 
Mm. Maybe it's just like I would never fucking know. And I, you know, maybe mm. next thing I, I, I have a harp and robe, and you know, mm-hmm. I'd see Geraldo and he'd be shitting on me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, okay, now I know where I am. This guy thinks he can just improvise on the harp. Apparently, <laughs> That's you right, go yeah. low note, high note, compromise, <laughs> compromise. <laughs> so it, it, when I was obviously, it's not as resonant. No, or please as, stop doing that. Stop it. I hate that. But I think that that. Uh, again, I, no, it's I think it's one of those. Moria. It's it's remember that you could leave the earth right now. Yeah, imbues this moment with added richness. That's a Ram Dass yeah. quote. But like, I try to remember that we could die. It's it sounds horrible, but especially when you trust it, mm-hmm. as I can't believe. I mean, like, I definitely feel like I trust it way, 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 way a million times more than I ever did. When you're brushing your teeth in the morning and you're just like, this this might be the last time I brush my teeth. You know what? You feel those bristles a little bit more. Yeah. Right? You know what I always found fascinating? When I was in New York City. The Big Apple? The city that never sleeps. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I saw a person fall from a construction site. Oh, no. And it was one of those times where it was like, oh, that, that, it's a dead body. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm walking to go get lunch. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a dead body there and the the person there was a blanket or sheet over this individual but i saw the shoes mm. i saw the shoes and for some reason ever since then every time i tie my shoes i go i go these are the shoes i'm gonna wear yeah. perhaps and somebody's gonna see these shoes and go oh he tied his shoes like yeah. i i don't know maybe it's because of that tarp and it was weird but now when, when i tie my shoes i don't know for some reason it fucking it got burned in the hard drive yep and I was like, these might be the shoes I wear. That's actually, I mean, weird, right? It's, so you had, that's what I mean. The jarringness of that experience made a lesson like you'll die in, in the shoes that you put on. Yeah. But because you saw someone fall from a building, that pushed that lesson into you. Yeah. In a way that it might not push into me. Sure. And that's sort of what my drug experience was. Not to bring it back to that, but like the things that like, uh, experience pushes these right. things in. Well, my question to you, I know we're, we're going a little long. I apologize, but I find it fascinating. Was there a culmination of events that drew you to that moment to experiment with yes. that? Or was it one one event that made No, that no, happen? no, and that's a culmination. I would, no one should start with that one. <laughs> Got it, And right. by the way, no one should do it based on my recommendation. That would be, that would be well, I mean, I, I can't say what's silly or not for but that is not my intent is to get right. people to do it but no it's been since it's been 10 years of, of using psychedelics every once in a while oh, okay. not a lot right but then also the one of the other main messages from that experience was like all of the study and all of the books and all of the meditation and all that stuff really matters right. like your trip actually starts the moment you're born so all of that stuff determines how it's going to be so it's not to be entered into uh lightly and i don't want to scare people too much i'm just saying like some people just had experiences that were a lot more i had the love and light trip but i'm sort of the love and light guy like that's that's like my uh, it's called bhakti yoga it's heart yoga it's like it's love yoga and i had really like a hippie trip and and everybody was grateful for their experience but like i just want to say one last time Please, no one run out and and do it. Just take because it, yeah. it sounds like it's like a fun time. I, I was, and I, I again, I I don't I don't want to make this go longer or whatever. But yeah. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and Owen. he, <laughs> we were in front of a fireplace, pricking thumbs, taking a blood oath, <laughs> and uh, 
I was talking to a friend of mine, and and this this friend reads philosophy and world history, and um, you know, all, all, all these kind of upper you can plane say learned, learned. They're learned going to a learned place, and I, for one, have always gravitated towards um biographies. I love reading biographies. I love reading autobiographies. I love reading, especially people in this industry. Anybody that's significant, Orson Welles, I went down this rabbit hole of Orson Welles. And, mm. and what I came to realize, especially in this industry, is that we're all trying to achieve something that, that may be resonant, right? We want our singing in the rain. Mm. We want our thing that will, as artists, like in a cave, writing, please remember, let something I drew be remembered, you know? Mm. So as I'm going on and, and, and thinking about this and having this conversation with this, it, why do you read all these biographies? You should be reading about this or Plato or et cetera, et cetera, or, or you know. And I was just like, I don't know. I, I, I find it fascinating because especially in the world we're in, we're all stocks, right? We go up, we go down. So I think as long as, I, I've got no point where I'm like, I just want to invest my time in things that, I don't. I don't care if the world sees it. I just care. Did I execute that story a, 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 as passionately and as 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 much as I wanted it to be? Yeah. Did it play out the way I wanted it to? And at the end of the day, like those are the things I think I'm going to be happiest with when this is all said and done, because I'm reading like Orson Welles's line about Los Angeles: "All roads lead to the airport," and it's such, such a great line. And this is a guy that did, I mean, which arguably one of, if not the greatest films in cinema history. And from there on out, Magnificent Ambersons to The Lady from Shanghai, like all these films that he did post Citizen Kane, he couldn't get work. And mm. every one of them was a nightmare. Mm. And, and everybody gets forgotten at some point, too. Sinatra, Elvis... They had immense rebounds, but even in the aftermath of the rebound, to be, I think a great artist does it once, a legend does it twice, mm. and very few people get to that legendary status. Mm. And even when you're a legend, you still are forgotten. I think Sinatra's last album, it was a concept album, sold 30,000 vinyl records at mm. the time. Mm. And this is Sinatra. Tuna on toast. <laughs> For lunch, I think I'll have tuna on toast <laughs> with those salt and pepper pickles on the side. That's Frank good, dude. Frank is performing how we thought it would. Cut off the crust. And now I'm recording it. <laughs> there is a time problem. He was reporting on how the album was doing. He was recording it. So there was a time discrepancy. You're really there. You're really there, Pete. You are present in the bit. Give me a soft toilet seat at my <laughs> Nana's house. I want to feel my bun sink before I make it sting. Yeah. <laughs> 30,000. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what does the 30,000 Sinatra album sound like? Oh, fuck. Well, I, I went back and uh, it, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's really bad. But, uh, but that's why, like, even in this, in, I was talking... Can do another comic and and it was like oh this person did this and I, I feel like I, I'm like don't worry about you're golfing worry about your game yeah. worry about I don't even golf but I just know it's a solid it's a game of solitude 
Worry about yourself because at the end of the day, do what makes you happy. Do something you're going to be proud of because at the end of the day, most people are not going to give a flying fuck. I, I really think that. I right. mean, well, that that's what we've been talking about more or less. Is it's It's all the idea of being remembered or writing your name on a building or being in the Hall of Fame or winning an award. These are all little things we do out of our death anxiety and our, our fear that I think we when you're younger, it means more, right? Matter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you also don't really know that you're going to die when you're younger. So you're like, I got a shiny wood, just like me. <laughs> so when you real, so let me tell you one more thing about my trip is, is, it was such a relief to not be Pete. It was, it was, it felt good to not be Pete. It was right. like putting down heavy bags at the airport. Every road leads to. Who is thinking that it's good not to be Pete? Though it, it was after it's the fact. Quick. I was Got like, it. what okay. a nice experience of not being Pete. No one was there to go. I'm not Pete. Very, very fair right. point you're making. But afterwards, it felt like a wonderful vacation. It wasn't a bummer to come back to be Pete. It felt nice, but I was like, it was nice to not be Pete. Right. But anyway, what I'm saying is there's so many things that are true that are scary on the surface. Mm -hmm. And then when you push all the way into them and go through them, they actually become calming things. And right. one of them is that all of this is just written on running water. This is basically the summation of Buddhism is right. this too shall pass. It's all gone. It's all impermanent. And at the beginning of that mm -hmm. lesson that no one is going to remember you or me, no matter how many conversations of myself I record, there right. is anxiety. And then if you keep pushing into that, you go, there is tremendous freedom that the only thing that's happening right now is this sound I'm making in your ears right now. Yeah. And how you feel right now is how you feel about your life. Right. So don't wait for the the summary or the highlight reel. Right. This is how you feel because maybe that car is coming. And, right. And it, and you're not just going to walk away with the with the drum bucket, kids. <laughs> you almost you almost got me, man. I almost got emotional there. Yeah. I, I could literally, uh, I I like I'm I'm talking right now, so I don't tear up, but I feel it. And what you said is so beautiful, and I really. You know, I know we're supposed to be comics and everything, but I really appreciate you saying that to You're me. Welcome. That was that was great, man. I, I loved really it do. Too. I said it for me. I'm 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 <laughs> I take it back now. <laughs> no, but I literally could tear I up. That was I, I didn't uh I just didn't this want is you not to what think I would have expected today. I really didn't. Tune on toast. <laughs> Send now it back. back. Now we're back. The bread is soft. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Donna. I'd ordered tea. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like the Noel Gallagher one, right? You guys so got you know just what's funny? What I remembered, we're yeah. back full circle. Yeah. He told me he took psychedelics, and I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Did you ever have any spiritual epiphanies or realizations? And he was like, no. That's what I remember from the Noel Gallagher. Man, that dude he was is, like, no, not really. He is blunt. He's blunt. He doesn't give a fuck. That's why I love yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. I love that band, too, because like, you got... A great band, you got incredible tunes, but you got something that no other band ever offered me. I wanted to know more about them. Mm. Like I wanted every cue, every anime magazine. I always wanted to go to Virgin Megastore and read their interviews because I was like, I'm getting a, a sideshow along with these guys. Like yeah. I love the Killers, but if they're being interviewed, like I, I'm not going to seek that out. But Noel and Liam, like yeah, more please. It was like a buffet that I could never get full from. Yeah. And I remember meeting them in Vegas. I was going to see them, and I walked over to Noel, 
I go, no, I, I'm actually flying to Vegas to come see your show. Would you mind? Can I get a picture with you real quick? Didn't even look at me. He goes, oh, let's get it over with. And he stood up. And I was like, yes, as expected. Like, oh, I expected that, God. you know, and it felt, it was like, on most brand. people would be like, ah, oh, what a fucking dick. But I'm yeah. like, no, that's on brand. Yeah. And then we we go to, um, we go to baggage claim and Liam's there. I go, Liam, could I get a picture? He goes, yeah, mate, where are you coming in from? I go, I'm coming in from New York. And he goes, what do you do? I go, stand up comedy. He he talked to me yeah. for 10 minutes. Yeah. What's it like to be a stand-up comic? Yeah. He's like, I fucking love comedy. And I was like, this is the fucking best, man. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to see you at the show. He's like, thanks for fucking coming. I was like, this, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. The complete role reversal of what yeah. I thought it was going to be. That was my Damon Affleck experience. Affleck was Liam. <laughs> oh, really? Damon wasn't mean, but uh, yeah. I, I, I was a jackass. Everybody's heard that story way too many times. Yeah, well. Let's, me... Because Val and I have to do our We Made It Weird today. So I yep, sorry, sorry about that. Yep. No. Excuse me? <laughs> well, I, I felt like I, I, I was talking a bit much, but you... On the Steve Byrne episode? Got me with your experience. That's when I was like, I, I absolutely want to know everything I can about this experience. And, yeah. And again, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me because yeah. I know there was... I felt hesitation at the beginning and you not recommending, but I, I appreciate you confiding... That you well, felt comfortable enough to. My friend Mirabai was like, "You need to tell people." I remember yeah. her saying that she was like, "You need to tell people because it's food." And every time I, I talk about it, Val loves it because, and I love talking about it because imagine having a visceral experience where you're like, you can trust yourself, you can trust death. It's a right. really powerful thing. There's a lot of nutrition share. what you're sharing as opposed to the typical, yeah. I think, comedy podcast. You go on and you tell some road stories. And yeah. What you make is Chappelle's new special. He's at it again. <laughs> he's out there. He, he's shitting on them. He's, he's saying at this. it again. He shouldn't have said that about these folks. <laughs> he shouldn't have said it about those. He's off the chain. <laughs> but he's the goat. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's the, the goat. goat. Uh, what is the, can you think of a time in your life when you laughed really, 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 really hard? Well, today was, would be the last time I genuinely belly laughed. Me too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I did too. I, I would say, I mean, knee jerk reaction when I laughed so fucking hard, I was belly over. I was just talking about this with a friend. Carrot Top. I went and saw Carrot Top. Well, he had this one bit in it. And it was a sound bite, sound bite that he played that would, sounded so ridiculous. And it was him reacting to it and making it a joke. And I, I was hunched <sighs> over crying. Yes. And he did it two or three times. And I was like, if he does it again, I literally, I may physically die. Like, I can't, my body can't process it anymore. Yeah, you were the carrot top. Oh God! I, it was so stupid. Yeah. It wasn't even like like written like as a comic. You wouldn't even be like, "That's a fucking great bit." Yeah, it was a horrible bit, but yeah. it was so fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's the last time I really just like, you know, comedy is so hard, but it's it's so necessary. It is so weird that I grew up in the generation that was like prop comedy, but yeah, look at what's happening. People are laughing. Diseases are leaving their body. Yeah, joy, ecstasy, all love, and we're like, yeah, but he had a seatbelt from an airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He missed it up. You know. So I love I, that. Story. I saw a comic in New York City, and. Again, it, I think it takes a lot to make a comic genuinely laugh. And this comic, God, I wish I remembered who it was so I could mention who it was. But it was so funny. He was saying, you know, 
is why I don't trust women. Why they're just not as fun as guys. Is that I've never heard a woman make a sound effect during a story. That is so <laughs> He's like, funny. have you ever heard a girl make a machine gun like that? Like is... every guy's made. <laughs> every guy's done that. Like no woman's ever. Done that. that is <laughs> like, so funny. I was like, oh fuck, God, that's that so is great. So funny. What a and great thing. I specifically and teach across Lee the board. Sound everybody effect. was laughing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh. I was at the Parkside Lounge. It was an open mic, and someone said, you ever see a kid so fat he looks like he has a job? And I <laughs> laughed. Where is this man? Find this man. Oh, Where is he? Great. Give me that bit. Yeah. Or do it. Yeah. One or the other, because that one can't die. I've My said it God. at least 100 times on this podcast. Yeah. And you can't see a really soft boy at the airport <laughs> and not be like, he does look like he's on his way <laughs> to manage a Sears. Yeah. He does. That's so funny. And he's gonna rub his forehead and be like, <laughs> "I gotta do the mattress books again." <laughs> like it's a level of softness. Gladys, get me another grape juice. I gotta <laughs> go over the fourth quarter. <laughs> we did it, Steve. We did it. This was effortless, my friend. I, I will tell you when I saw you a few weeks ago. I believe in Irvine, right? You Brea. were Brea. Sorry, you were in Brea with your wife, and I I came backstage, and again, you're one of those comics. I, I I just love seeing. The last time I saw you was the sidewalks of JFL, and again, you were with your wife, and uh, and it, you know, no matter where anybody's been, you've always been the same person, and you've always treated me the same, no matter how big you got and all the accolades you had, and 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 a storied resume. And I know, like, you know, you're saying all these kind things about me, but you have far exceeded 98% of what most comics intend to do, and you've done them all. And throughout the whole course of your career, no matter how big you got or how accomplished or, you know, having a show on HBO, like, you've always been super fucking cool. Super cool. And I, I genuinely, I have a lot of respect and love and appreciation for you. As a person, first and foremost, and then, of course, for your comedy, you genuinely, Thanks, man. as you saw today, fucking make me laugh, uh, and I, I really appreciate it. it. Con Ed, what is it, hates a ghoul? <laughs> Con Ed hates a ghoul, dude. <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. Well, I would say the shit same. Shit through a kazoo. I've, I've, <laughs> shit through a kazoo, that. my God, yes. You're the same. I've, I remember it was with my, an ex-girlfriend of mine, but we went to see you at the improv, and then we went out afterwards, and you bought us, like, Really expensive shots of tequila. 1942. It was really nice. And you were wearing a suit. And I was like, I felt so fancy. 42 is the shit. Let me tell you something. I was in Cleveland. I'll get out of here after this. But I was in Cleveland. And I finished the show at uh, Hilarity's. Great club, right? And you go next door. They had this speakeasy, a Cleveland speakeasy. So I go in. And this bachelorette party that was at the show came in. And... A comic I was with is like, you're at 42? I'm like, no. He's like, you got to try this shit. I, I do the shot. It's like water. I'm like, oh my God, this is dangerous. So this bachelorette, I go, girls, you got to try this. Said, Come over here. I, I get them around of shots and these group of guys. I go, guys, have you ever had 42? Oh, let me get you guys a shot. Now the guys are here. The bachelorette party is here. I'm with the comics. We've created this crew. I go, nah, I got to get everybody a shot of 42. Can I get another show, round of shots for 42 for everybody? So I did this. I did this. Now I'm doing everybody. The bar tab comes. Nobody told me 1942 is $70 a shot. My bar tab was close to $1,000. My wife gets alerts. She gets alerts because every, every time Colin Joe's packs, passes Jake's saloon, he takes a picture and goes, did your wife get an alert because I'm thinking about Jake's saloon? She called me. She goes, what the fuck 
did you do tonight? And I'm like, I, 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 have you ever heard of the 1942? She's like, go fuck yourself. I don't give a fuck what it is. You're, you're just still processizing it. To, oh have my you God. heard about this water like tequila? <laughs> I, it is unbelievable. I am shit faced. I'm, sh- I'm shangotsed, and she doesn't give a fuck. So uh, that was oh my big lesson my with 1942. God. So one round of shots on 42. That's it. Yeah. You did buy me and my ex girlfriend, uh, girlfriend at the time, a shot of 1942. I never liked her. That was that was a going away gift that to is, her. That's because I knew she move. wasn't right for that's you. I was like, honey, there's a parting gift. Yeah, there you go. Here's one for the road. <laughs> Here's one for Emphasis maybe one for the road. on the road. Let's hear a clip clap. <laughs> Let's hear a clip clap. <laughs> There's been a lot of laughs. Steve Byrne, SteveByrneLive.com. That's where all the magic happens. Thanks for doing it, man. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Did you say keep it crispy? It's how we end. Fuck yeah. You guys, yeah, everybody, you got to keep it crispy. 1942 crispy. (laughs) (laughs) Very expensive. Thanks, pal. I'm so crispy. My ice